Michael Bolton. We've got a mic. I just realized I can't do a Michael Bolton impression. I just said it. We bought a mic. Michael McDonald. It's Michael McDonald from Mad TV. (laughs) I'm a little boy. (laughs) Terrible reference. West the world. Hello. Welcome to We Bought a Mug. We're really stepping it up with the production value on those intros. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I am Ernest Calderon. Soon it might sound like pretty good. I, maybe one day. Um, I am Hunter Mobley. I'm Drew Dietzen. And what? 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 Who's Brett's, over there? Brad is back, 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 back I had again. A, I had an intro for him, but it's a spoiler for Avengers, so I won't say it. Okay. So fucking spoiler. I know what it so is. I'm gonna, so I'm going to uh, break it out. I'm going to break it out later. Okay. Hey, Brett. What's up, guys? Hey, man. Hey. He returns. Whoa. Let's. Do you want to do a quick catch-up corner? Brett's catch-up corner? So pretty much... Uh, Brett's catch-up corner is that I haven't fucking done anything, so uh, good, that's, good. that's about You've it. You've just been listening to We Bought a Mic. I've only been listening to We Bought a Mic. You know, I've listened to every episode yeah. three or four times now. You're doing like an office watch-through, except that We Bought a Mic listen through. Yeah, they, the thing is, they really get worse and worse as you go. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Brett's, Brett's the main guy that I trust. Like, every time we see you, the first thing you lead with is, all right, I have critiques for yeah, We Bought a Mic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, can you say, like, hello to me first? You're just like, hey... I got I got beef. Well, yeah, he pulls out his little notepad and he's like, "All right, so I had to write these down because there's so many." And it, yeah, yeah. And usually, usually before I come to town, I'll like I'll write down what notes I have for We Bought a Mic to make sure they do better next time. <laughs> well, the, it's we like the constructive criticism for sure. Yeah, it's it's always appreciated. And if you have constructive criticism, make sure to send it to We Bought a Mic at gmail.com along with your questions that we'll answer on the air or give us constructive compliments. Yeah. Um, so today on the show, <laughs> yeah, Hunter doesn't get many of those. Today on the show, we're only going to be talking about Avengers: Infinity War and Westworld season two. Yeah. So if you hate that we just talk about random shit for an hour and then review something, this is yeah. your episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're said we're just talking about two things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so covering Westworld is going to be interesting this season because we record on Sundays usually, and the new episode comes out Sunday night. So. You know, by the time people listen to this, the next episode will already be out. Um, so I kind of want to get into predictions of what we think will happen in tonight's episode to kind of keep it a little fresh, um, so that you know we're not completely behind on it every week. Yeah, Uh, yeah. so today we're going to be reviewing season two, episode one. Yeah, and journey into night. In addition to that, we were not doing the podcast when Westworld season one ran, uh, because it was it was over a year ago, it was a long time ago. Um, so we, yeah, we got to start with our thoughts initially on Westworld as a whole. Yeah. So why don't you start? Um, I, I was really, really big on Westworld season one. Like I, I was, uh, living in Tallahassee at the time and I got insanely into it. Um, I think it's probably TV's best sci-fi. Uh, I'm not a game of Thrones guy, so it's my favorite big spectacle show on television where it's just like. It's more about how grandiose and large the the thing is than like necessarily. I mean, it's a quality show, but then I feel like it's more about the spectacle of it. Um, it has plenty of flaws. Like there, you know, notably there are plenty of people who who critique the show, and for good reason. Like if you asked me, 
uh, if I was just blindfolded to like during the credits and you were like, hey, who do you think makes this show? It's funny. I would guess Christopher Nolan, like number one. And it's made by his brother, Jonathan Nolan, yeah. who somehow doesn't have a British accent. <laughs> he will yeah he was he was born in america or something but it's it's so it's such a similar sensibility to uh my favorite christopher nolan movies and i'm probably a bigger fan of him than most people are where it is overwrought and it's the characters are not as much characters as they are serving the plot and the mechanics of what's happening it's it's simultaneously incredibly complex writing and also really emotionally simple writing like it's there's this weird duality to it um, so it's, I mean, it's a flawed show, but I, I'm in love with this show. Like I, I just love watching it. It just makes me happy. That's my thoughts. Yeah. Um, I, I am a big fan of it. I feel like I'm not as, I wasn't as high on season one of Westworld because one thing that I do like about Westworld is whenever it kind of wrestles with these philosophical ideas of what it means to be conscious and everything. But I feel like a lot of it feels comes across as a little bit surface level whereas like some of my favorite movies like Blade Runner Ex Machina those are movies that really delve into this idea and they go all in trying to explore this whole idea and I feel like Westworld is kind of has they try and strike this balance between having philosophical messages while also being like kind of an action western spaghetti western show um I Still am really excited for it. Another one of my big issues with the show, which I know is going to be a big thing in season two as well, is that it relies almost entirely on the whole mystery box concept where you don't know what's happening around you. So you just kind of you are forced to buy into everything. And then as soon as like you kind of figure things out, like Westworld season one, I feel like except for maybe one or two reveals people were putting the pieces together before it was revealed on the show. I feel like it relies so heavily on the mystery box that it moves a little bit too slowly and it doesn't really consider the audience to be as smart as we are. Uh, I, I agree with you very, very slightly. And I think that's something that's going to be a problem in season two specifically. I think you could already tell from the pilot, but season one, I think it was done so, so well. I love the mystery box thing. Going back to what Drew was saying about this really big, grandiose world. But then again, you're really isolated. You're only on this, what we come to find out is an island. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point. Because the, I mean, the synopsis of the show for like the one person who doesn't know is that it's it's based on a Michael Crichton novel. Is that right? No, he, he didn't write a book. He just wrote the movie. Oh, okay. Wrote well, and directed, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, it's a Michael Crichton movie about, a much like Jurassic Park, about a futuristic theme park that utilizes uh, robots that are basically like NPCs in a video game. It's the, the world that they're in is essentially Red Dead Redemption, like exactly um which is a great video game but where like you go into this real world they look incredibly real they act real but they only serve you know these very rich tourists who come in and can do whatever they want which is typically rape and murder yeah this this could range anywhere from you know just hanging out with a western family and seeing what that's all about or you can yeah go around going on these quests they're these npcs they can't hurt you Mm -hmm. but if you cut into one of these guys they're going to bleed. It's going to look real. Yeah. So, you you know, you get the thrill of getting into a gunfight or like, you know, whatever depraved fantasy you have. Um, and there's seemingly no consequences. But obviously the main, you know, the synopsis phrase of season one is these violent delights have violent ends. 
Um, and that comes in the form of these robots becoming sentient and realize what their purpose is and how fucked up that yeah, is. Which is what I think was the strongest part of mm-hmm. season one is this exploration of what it means to be conscious and like intelligent and all the qualities that define humanity. You know, we we stand out from other animals because of our self-awareness of, about being alive and being conscious. You know, I don't think any... As far as we know, there's no other species. Dolphins that has, have sex for fun. <laughs> that have the level of consciousness that we do. So this this show tackles these huge ideas about life and, and existence that are so interesting. And that's really where the show kind of comes into its own and, and thrives. And I'm a little worried that it may not fully dive into that in season two as much as I was hoping because season one really prioritizes that and really makes it, it it creates this puzzle around like the the mysteries of you know whether or not you're able to connect with these robots as humans you know because they're presented as humans obviously they're played by humans um and it's in their performances that you're kind of like left in conflict about whether or not you empathize with them. And I think that's like really the the, the core of the show and whether or not you're going to like it. You know, I think we, we've we've talked a little bit about what, what issues people have with the show. And I think that's the, the key is if you are not able to get past the fact that they're not real people, then you start to struggle with like yeah. really yeah. connecting Yeah, why with does them. this matter if they're not exactly. if they're robots? Yeah. But I mean, I think to your point, I, while I do love those concepts, this does kind of share the same problem. Like you said, you know that's a Nolan property because it shares a lot of the same themes that a lot of Nolan movies do. One of the problems I have with Dunkirk, I really enjoy Dunkirk, but it's one of those classic Nolan movies where it's confusing for the sake of being confusing for the sake of leaving you uneasy and not knowing what's happening. It doesn't necessarily serve a narrative purpose. Yeah. It's like, it's like Nolan um, more, more Chris than, than Jonah, but no uh, Chris Nolan um, really, really loves to just kind of fuck with his audience and test their intelligence. Yeah. Um, and I think Jonah Nolan is also into that, but he's not maybe as good as Chris Nolan is. Yeah, at he it. he still he ch- likes to test his audience, but still treat them like they're really dumb at yeah, points. So one of the like we won't spoil until later, but one of the main components of season one was time jumps, um, and multiple that, timelines, and that's mm-hmm. that's happening again in the season two premiere, but I think in a much more straightforward way. Yeah, there's it's no only, mystery about it's it. It's only what like a couple weeks or something. Yeah, I'm between the two timelines I'm, so far. I'm confused about how this episode is being received because online I've seen a bunch of like, well, it's classic Westworld. I don't know what's going on again, but I thought this episode was really straightforward. It's pretty straightforward. I didn't, I, think. I don't know what there's to be confused about. There's, like there's a reveal at the end and you're like, Oh, we're, so we're going to watch how that happens. But it's, well, we, we still have no idea what happened in between the two time. This is yeah. setting up the two timelines and we have no idea what happened. Exactly. But it, it's not, it's not like they're like hiding the fact that there are timelines. Right, because in season one, the fact that we were seeing multiple timelines was a mystery in itself. That was another exactly. mystery Exactly, we box. straight up didn't even know that for a while. And in this, so this was a more straightforward episode in a lot of ways than a lot of what happened in season one. Um, I think it's, I don't, do we want to spoil or what? Yeah, let's just go ahead and get into yeah, our discussion yeah, of I'll, season two. I'll just say, if you haven't seen this show, you can listen if you want, depending on like 
what you're trying We're to get out of this We're mostly theorizing discussion. here, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. But it, it, it's definitely a show well worth watching. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, It gets a lot of hate, but you can't deny that it's a really well-made show. That it's really fucking, like, well put together. Yeah. Um, and in that so, respect, it's, it's, it's fitting that it's set to be the, like the new game of thrones in a yeah, way and it's the hbo showcase show that's like the big one yeah and more so than that i think it's a show that's designed to be discussed it's it's almost like the creators made a show that they that they knew was going to be talked about online mm-hmm. and and theorized and kind of picked apart it, it's kind of tailor-made for that we, we've argued about whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing yeah yeah but so i i would argue that this is one of the more effective shows that expresses like robot sentience they talk a lot about the code like you really know what's going on in the robot's head you get an idea of what their robotic character is supposed to be within this theme park Mm -hmm. and we'll talk a little bit more about it in a little bit but that's what is going to lead me into some of some more of my theories where I don't necessarily think that they're even finding sentience. I think that they're still within this their is code. still kind of narrative. I mean, they yeah. say there's a line in episode one where I think it's Maeve says uh, everything is code here, and yeah. it's just like that's one of those things where it can be taken yeah. on very multiple levels. Where it's like everything is code and that everything is coded here, but also yeah. it's it's kind of uh, like. I took it to be like a little bit metaphorical for the show itself. It's like you are trying to decipher the code as an audience member to try to analyze yeah. what exactly yeah. you're watching here. Like I'm I'm of the camp that believes that the the intentional like online analysis component of the show is awesome because season 1 that was like what I did. I would watch Westworld and then read these extensive Reddit threads where people theorize what was happening. Not once did I think that anyone would get anything right. And it turned out that like some of the theories were wrong and some were like dead on. And I was, that made it better for me. Yeah. And Reddit famously kind of predicted every single twist in the show. I don't think that there was a single twist in season one that was not predicted by somebody in the yeah, Reddit community. And, and you would think that would take away from the big reveals, but for me personally, that made the reveals so much better because I was I was rooting for these theories. Like I was mm-hmm. rooting for concepts that people had like yeah. kind of like generated from thin air or from evidence. And if but. and if people get upset that, you know, reading these these forums and watching these videos or listening to reviews or whatever they're doing, if if they believe that doing that ruined their experience, then just don't do that in the first place. You don't have to go online and, and read articles and, and you know, listen to, to reviews or whatever. It's it's up to you to decide whether or not you want to engage in that stuff. Exactly. So, exactly yeah. so yeah, yeah. if this is the whole point of what we're doing here. So if you don't if you want to go into the show uh not knowing what the hell is happening, then you know, more power to you. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's get into this episode. So spoilers from here on now. If you yeah. haven't seen the show, you've been warned. Um, it's called Journey Into Night, um, which I think based on uh, a couple things I read and, and listened to is a line from Robert Ford in season one where he discusses the new narrative that he is. Um, when yeah, he's is that pitching, the name of the new narrative is Journey Into Night? I, I think that might be it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why so, I ring a bell. So um, at the end of season one, uh, that very last episode, it's pretty much revealed that like the narrative has begun, that he's successfully updated the hosts mm-hmm. and that they have this brand new code in them um, that Robert Ford has designed 
kind of behind the backs of the Delos board. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, am I am I right in that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's where the Robot Rebellion begins, and I, I think it's safe to say that a lot of people correctly are putting this as like the the beginning of like the real quote unquote real show, the real story that everything that happened in season one was like a prelude to this mm-hmm. kind of setting that up, which is kind of a bummer to me because I really dug the world building of the park mm-hmm. and I wish that we would have gotten a little bit more exploration as to like what the, the intricacies of like how this park works and that's yeah. kind of out the window. At this yeah. Point. But I'm kind of glad that like, we don't need to keep having the discussion of just like, where is Westworld? No, I don't mean, I don't where mean, does it exist? I don't mean that. I mean more about like what it's like to kind of, operate this park and yeah and yeah, and yeah go saw, to it and like interact with it just um like before we even get into the two timelines that are that we are viewing in this episode you could see just there's some clues like happening in, in next episode we know that this like 30 year ago timeline isn't done yet we're, we're still getting that or do timeline. we that's the thing what you know the, the episode begins with what we assume you know, based on the reveals of the previous season, what we assume to be a flashback to the original Arnold with the 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 first version of Dolores having these discussions. That's what it's presented as. But the show has fucked with us and taken us on this wild ride that you almost got to kind of take a step back and think like, if that's what they want us to think, it might not be that. Yeah, yeah well, maybe I'm, it's I'm a talking, flash forward. They, they show uh, Jimmy. Um, Jimmy Simpson. Jimmy yeah. Simpson, and we know oh, that he's. Okay. Yeah, we know that he's, he's. He must be the Man in Black. Yeah, he's Ed yeah, Harris. He is. Thirty yeah. years earlier, which was the that was the big twist that was well, that was one of two big twists that were predicted uh, in season one. The other was Bernard being actually Arnold, the co-founder of Westworld. Um, so. Jeffrey Wright, first of all, is an incredible actor. That's something we didn't mention. There are some really, really good performances. Oh, I mean, in the acting. Uh, I think that Tandy Newton is really yeah. just like such a standout. Tandy Newton, Evan Rachel Wood, uh, Jeffrey Wright. Uh, I'm not going to say James Marsden because he plays just like a moron, but <laughs> <laughs> he's he's good at playing that uh, character. Ed, Ed Harris is always good. Uh, Jimmy <laughs> Simpson wishes he would grow up to look like Ed Harris. He's not going yeah, to. Yeah. Um, and those the, McPoyle jeans, man. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and then the third runtish Hemsworth brother, who like could still That's beat right. the shit out Luke. of any of us, even though he's like the bad one. We were probably hoping that he wouldn't survive the robot rebellion. Yep. Yeah, and, and we then see him alive and well. And then, lest we forget, Anthony Hopkins, obviously, as the you know evil, essentially evil uh, runner yeah, of the park. And he was instrumental in getting the show off the ground. And, you yeah, know, I think his performance, his character, everything about Robert Ford was what kind of made this show the phenomenon that it became yeah i, I think without hopkins it wouldn't be what it is that's one of my concerns going forward with season two is because anthony hopkins was just such a scene stealer anytime that he well, was how, do you, how do you know he's and, not going to be in the show i mean he's dead. He's, he's dead and i mean we could get maybe a flashback but, but, but anthony like, hopkins like is not signed on for season two. oh he's not he's not signed no, on at all. no he did not. some voice work yeah he did the, the voice work for the young yeah, yeah. ford robot yeah um, which was a really cool scene. So yeah, let's talk about the new character dynamics that are introduced. We're started with, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we're we're started essentially with Bernard waking up on the beach, uh-huh. and it's 11 days yeah. after the rebellion has happened, and he 
is con- either he's either confused about what happened or he does not want to say what happened because he's confronted immediately by this malevolent like he's basically a fed but he works for Delos this corporation this guy Carl Strand yeah so this this introduces some new interesting lore of the outside world Delos is even bigger than I thought it was as an entity it's humongous there are six different parks first of all that's mentioned in the episode mm. um and Delos obviously has its own police force and like the control to just like keep people in the park, etc. Um, so not yeah, not just police, but almost military. Yeah, yeah they, I mean they have like a military. warship. Yeah, and Delos I, is like a country. Probably. I didn't know if this was like supposed to be a thing to look into or not, but there was a lot of like Asian uh, soldiers and stuff, and they like at the very beginning of the episode, they're like, "Oh no, you signed something that like yeah, there's we have control of this." The, yeah, the prevailing theory I saw is that this is an island in the South China Sea. Yeah, that's what a lot of people yeah, that Delos okay. just straight bought. Yeah. Um. So yeah, a lot. You know, the the most forward in time timeline is Arnold touring around Westworld and seeing the carnage of what's happened with this rebellion, um, with the Hemsworth brother who somehow got out of of dying in season one. We don't really know how that happened, um, because we were, I mean, led to assume that he was dead. Uh, and you know, I think the last the last time we saw him, he got like abducted by some ghost nation people. Yeah, it was right. Yeah, exactly. He was like about to get murdered but i guess he was just kidnapped and got out of it someone who i want to be alive more than the hemsworth brother is shannon woodward the nerdy one who got oh, killed yeah, yeah, yeah. or you know supposedly killed maybe she'll be back um when did we last see her did she didn't she get like strangled or something it was like right around when the hemsworth brother she was like left. snooping around yeah um but so anyway then we go we end up uh going back in time to the beginning of the rebellion uh, so one new dynamic we have is Tandy Newton and the writer of all the characters in Westworld are paired up. Yeah. Who is, uh, what's his name? He, it's Sizemore in the show. Yeah, that's his character name. This this dude is like too fucking much, first of all. He's just, he's a poorly written human. Yeah, I want him to die. <laughs> he's comic relief. He's way over the top. But after a while, I was kind of fine with it. I was like, whatever, let's just, this can just be funny. It's a good he, dynamic. He is a, he's like a total piece of shit, completely yeah. over the top, but it kind of gives you a look into maybe what this future is just kind of like, like when somebody has a job like that. Yeah. And I think it's kind of, it's probably a meta commentary. Usually when a writer writes a pompous writer, they're kind of poking fun at themselves a little bit, you know, that type of deal. Yeah. Sure. Um, he's just, he's way over the top and it's fun that he's paired with Tandy Newton. I'd rather her be paired with him than be paired with the fucking idiot doctors who end up like yeah, starting Felix the rebellion. And them. Yeah, yeah, That was one of the most frustrating parts of season one for me. One thing that I do find uh, really fascinating about this first, uh, episode and we kind of got a little bit of that in season one is that tandy newton is kind of becoming the hero of our story where evan rachel wood we first presented to her well i mean really in the beginning we're presented to james marsden to be like our (laughs) protagonist that turns out to be like a total mislead and we follow evan rachel wood but it kind of feels like these roles are kind of getting reversed where tandy newton is becoming the character that we root for and evan rachel wood is just her character of Dolores is just kind of going on this whole killing spree, which is either her own sentience trying to like prove like this is my world now, like yeah. I own this, or it could just be like 
Ford's program. Ford could have just like yeah. written some shit in there before he died. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty convinced that's where we're at. But yeah. then it makes it a little bit more confusing of where Bernard is. And yes, See, yes, just, that's he is the best. The best actor f- yeah. of my freaking life. Yeah, yeah Jeffrey Wright's so Jeffrey Wright's good. incredible. His character was the best character of season one. The entire season, we think he's a human. <laughs> like that was the other big reveal that Reddit did predict is that he is in fact uh uh like an android version of the consciousness of Arnold, the creator of the park and like the benevolent half to um anthony hopkins yeah. is malevolent half he is an incredible actor and his character is the most fascinating in the whole story right now because we don't know where he stands we don't know because in the future he is very tight-lipped he is not really revealing anything to these feds about what happened until the very end of the episode okay obviously. so i do want i do want to comment on that so we have at the very beginning of the episode he wakes up his glasses go into the sea and obviously he has 2020 vision he only wears glasses because that's part of his character mm-hmm. like arnold did so he's walking across the beach and we see all this crazy technology the hosts are being assassinated because they don't trust the hosts and then something really little that i noticed that i haven't read anywhere that anybody's been talking about is as soon as he walks up to carl strand the representative from delos carl says circumstances are less than ideal and he says ideal. and he says ideal like at the same time back to him and that's like the only word he says yeah i remember i i kind of picked that out and i was like it's like we finish each other's yeah he he he, <laughs> yeah. he jinxed him so to me that there's a couple different things going on either I, the word ideal because you know circumstances less than ideal is just a turn of phrase right so maybe ideal means something whatever but also it's as if maybe he's experienced this before. You know, he mm-hmm. has that dreamy look mm-hmm. on his face. He said yeah. right before that he dreamed this, where he was mm-hmm. ditched by all the hosts and yeah. he was on a beach. Yeah, I'm, when he's having that conversation with Dolores. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. A- another thing that it made me kind of think is because the other uh, new duo that we have is Bernard in the flashback. It's Bernard and Tessa Thompson's character yeah. who's finally getting used, even though her character is still not fleshed out at all. She has almost no characteristics. Um, hey, she took off that dress. Though. But there's put Tony. on put on a real outfit. Yeah, but there's another big reveal of just like like I said earlier, implications of what Delos is doing, where they it turns out they are taking the DNA of people who visit Westworld, which could mean a whole lot of things for the outside world. Yeah, that's world. I thought that was a really cool. It's kind of said in passing, but it's just like one of those things. It's just like yeah, we're like sourcing like yeah. we're like data mining and, for all these uh people like all of our guests and it really is also like one of those it's it's something that we that doesn't even expose but season one kind of exposed of all these characters that we're just meeting this episode we don't know which ones are robots or which ones are not this fed guy could be a robot we have no idea and all of his the people that follow him around yeah too. he could just be a clone of some guy who visited westworld's and, consciousness and who, or who knows they're a robot you know probably if they are hosts, they probably don't even realize. Exactly. So I have a thought on the uh, Bernard kind of like phasing in and out. Because that was something that happened to Dolores in uh, season one. You know, we had her kind of jumping back and forth in the timeline. Like her consciousness was like kind of freaking out a little bit. Uh, and now it's happening to Bernard. They set up these like brain egg white egg things mm-hmm. that they extract from the ghost nation this guy. It's a big big plot device. That's that that seven. was not in season 1. Yeah. So I think that the fact that they're setting this up might have something bigger to do with the plot here and I yeah, exactly. I I kind of want to believe that we may if if the case that is to be made that these like brain egg things house like everything that makes the host them, then theoretically 
they could take that out and put it in another host's body and kind of and change skins. Basically. Yeah. Well, that's they did that a lot in season one, where they would just replace like the character if yeah. if one of but them's acting out. That's a little different because in season one, all they did was rewrite the code yeah, they, of they their didn't. of their uh, character, True. like rewrite their their behavior. Yeah. You know, this is completely different. This is extracting everything that makes them them and putting it in another host body. So we could start to see that in some of these main characters. I think it, it wouldn't be too far-fetched for Bernard, the Bernard that we see in the two weeks later timeline, to actually be another character. Yeah. yeah. That, that's pretty... I, that's I, kind of fascinating. To maybe there. be Dolores. Yeah. Or, I, 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 read, I read that, and I think, I think the Dolores theory is kind of BS. That's, like, one theory that I... I don't think is realistic. I understand like the the aspects that like would make would make that believable. How he wakes up like really confused, you know, doesn't put on his glasses, and then at the end he says that he killed the host, and we've seen Dolores killing all the hosts. Yeah, but I don't, that that doesn't really work for me. Also, we do see like Dolores like in the you know in the next episode, and she's like wearing a dress or something. There's there's like there's little clues like that. Yeah. Yeah. I. I one thing I will say my favorite part about uh this first episode was the uh the host droids um these the drones, white skeletal yeah. looking things that kind of look like the things out of nightmares I <laughs> love the look that they went with those and that's just like a new thing we never saw those in season 1 yeah. but it's like this really cool unsettling thing and they even have the moment where um uh, Sizemore's like kind of standing in the host way and the host just like stands right behind her and Tandy Newton says like oh don't worry he won't hurt you he can tell like you're not a threat something yeah, like that well which- that's that's another thing that, that plays into the DNA thing that's introduced in this episode where he we're basically proved that Bernard has Arnold's DNA it's not mm-hmm. just a, like a brain replicant ah oh, you're right because okay. the robot would recognize if he didn't have DNA or Ford just knew that this would all play out you know ford kept saying in season one that he knew everything that happens in the park that nothing Mm. went past him yeah so he could have predicted that bernard would have to at some point have access to these secret labs yeah and he would i'm also kind of interested into this idea that what if uh what if ford similar to how he did with Arnold, kind of uploaded his consciousness into a different host. Like, we see him with this, uh, the young version of Ford, but that could be a thing that we see as a different actor playing Ford's character. As somebody who he took his own mind and consciousness of and said, yeah, sure, my human body is going to die, but I'm going to live on and still know everything that's that'd happening be, in the yeah, And it's a way cheaper actor for them to hire. Yeah, exactly. They're <laughs> yeah, like, uh, James Marsden, yeah. you haven't really added much. Yeah. You're going to be me now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's let's talk some, some of the writing of this episode. Uh, there are a few things that, I mean, it's obviously, like I said earlier, it's incredibly complex plot structure. It's so dense. It's stuff that I couldn't even begin to tackle, but then there are also things that are like kind of eye-rolly. Um, I thought particularly uh, Evan Rachel, what's Dolores's speech she gave at the gallows was really on the nose. Yeah, it like was. it was just really every like, yeah. I completely agree. Everything that she did this episode was really weak. But then again, was, I could I could kind of find excuses for it, and it just goes back to because right now you're kind of under the impression that she's like sentient now and she's making her own decisions. Mm. But I think she's still this really basic character. Her yeah. original character was this basic farmer's daughter. Yeah, yeah. 
Exactly. I, I mean, hopefully, because that was pretty not super well written. So hopefully it was written kinda, by someone in the Westworld. You know what I mean? I kind of love Dolores' character, though, because I keep comparing her to Maeve because they're kind of having similar arcs of, yeah. of awakening. I mean, extremely similar. Yeah. So so I look at I look at um, I look at Maeve and I and I see that she has kind of become completely awake to the whole operation and she knows essentially most of the ins and outs of Delos and the behind the scenes and she's able to boost all her stats up and and become this like godlike figure that can control everything yeah. around her and be you know the super you know like a superhero yeah, like if she if she leaves Westworld she's like the president exactly or and then you have Dolores who doesn't have access to any of this stuff and is kind of she's coming into her own through her own volition. Yeah. So it's really interesting to me to have this character that is having a very similar awakening, but just through her own self. Like yeah. It adds all this strength like, to her. I, I like that idea of her being very bitter about her entire life because that's realistic. I just think that that speech, like word by word, was where it's like, there's one more story I haven't lived yet. My own, and she walks off yeah. in the sunset. It yeah. was just kind of like, come on. But you know, we 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 said this earlier, and that could just still be part of the I script. I like, hopefully, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, again, I th- I think this is all superficial. Going back to Maeve, like, there's a reason she didn't leave Westworld when she was supposed to. You're saying she kno- she's learning all this stuff, she knows all this stuff, but all she, kn- no matter how much she knows, it's still just inside Delos and Westworld. But, and I would actually be more happy with that too, because. To be honest, like I don't give a fuck about her looking for her coded daughter, which I know she's gonna find out. And his she's gonna come across her daughter, and her daughter's not gonna. Yeah, she's not, yeah, yeah, like she should like, know this. It's one yeah. of those things she, where I it's think just, she it does seems, know it. I think she does. Yeah, but it's like, why are we using this? Like, why this seems like like a weird use of time. I would rather see Maeve go into the real world and see her like. Well, live I, in a world of humans. I just, where she's I think a that that's bot. that's for a later season. I because this episode did make me want to see what the world is like outside of Delos, but I don't know if we're going to get into that this. I season. I think that's a little too much. Yeah, exactly. I, I think I think we're going to wait for that. So with with Maeve being the the one on the quest for her daughter, it kind of makes her one of the more relatable sympathetic characters. Despite on the, the fact show. that she's also going on a killing spree, much like Dolores. Yeah, but she. She's not out to just kill just to kill because you're, Dolores, you're right. Dolores is really doing it just to assert herself as like a a a, a being with yeah that, an agent the, of change with the with the capabilities of 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 choice and um um just like self agency and all that. But Maeve is a much more personal journey, uh, and even. I think she knows that she's going to be disappointed, but because she saw this script in season one of everything that she was about to say and do, Mm. I think that made her realize that how far Ford's control stretched. And she realized that her leaving the park was part of Ford's script. It it was part of the script. Like her, she saw it in the, in the, the action. She saw like what it was called, but I still think part of that was her staying because, and just a little a little clue to that was I can't remember exactly what happened, but someone was like, "Oh, Maeve, did you do this?" And she's like, "No, but somebody with similar sensibilities did." Mm. Not really sure. Oh yeah, but she's and, like relating to Dolores right there. And that, but it was it was Ford. It was Ford who's doing all this stuff. No, I, she's talking about Dolores in that scene. 
I can't remember. She exactly doesn't what know. She, was she doesn't know. She doesn't know like who Dolores is or what she's doing because she's removed from that. Oh, okay. But it. She's. She's really talking about about her and and relating to those parallel arcs. But I think that if you really think about why Maeve stayed in the park, that question is so crucial to her character because it was in her programming to leave. It was part of Ford's story for her to leave the park. But was but was it though? You can't say that. Yeah, for exactly. Sure. It could be one of those things where now she saw that and she acted against it, so she thinks that she's making her own conscious decision. But maybe that was already programmed in her the whole time to ignore the script that's right in front of her conveniently and just be like, you know what, I'm not going to do that. And Ford already planned for that. Damn, that's yeah, it, yeah, that's it, kind of that's one of the things with the show. Is it like, makes it makes it gives you this duality to it, every yeah, possible it, choice. It, yeah, it gets into the minutia of kind of the theme of the show is like what is free will for us and for them. Like exactly, just, just because like it's pre predicted what they're gonna do, does that mean they don't have free will? Because mm-hmm. like it was pre predicted that I was gonna eat breakfast this morning, but I still did, and I didn't feel like it was like you know God's plan or whatever. It's just something that we do. And I think that that's really what Nolan and his wife are trying to get at here is like by watching the show, they want us to think about our own lives and our own behavior and how we're also in loops and we're also Mm -hmm. kind of like stuck in the scripted behavior um, that much like the hosts are. And you can kind of follow this chain of of actions that is almost predetermined in our lives. Yeah. um Yeah. Before we move on, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, Ed Harris, Man in Black's character, whose name is actually... Is it Bill. William. William? Yeah, yeah. William. They call him Bill. I'm just going to call him Man in Black anyways, because that's just a better name than William. But um, I, I'm i kind of curious to see where his timeline is going, just because we see him interact with young Ford, and Ford tells him, like, this is your yeah, this like, is your game now. Now everything like, you're welcome. Stakes. Now you can just like yeah. actually slaughter you got what you shit. wanted. And yeah, we we but saw his... that's that's what like all that he was looking for in season one was he was just like this place has so much potential, but there's no stakes here. Now he finally has the stakes, and he young Ford shows up with a mission for him, saying, um, uh, like you're ne- like you need to go to uh where it ends it begins and where it begins it ends like kind of like a death rebirth kind well, of thing it, it alludes to dolores you know because his story started with dolores mm-hmm. when he first came mm-hmm. into the park dolores was the first person that he kind of connected with that's yeah. true he basically fell in love with like a waifu pillow yep yeah but in the future <laughs> but i'm kind of curious to see like what what his storyline is going to be doing coming forward because it feels like he's kind of an, it feels like path. we have three parallel stories happening right now and i'm curious to see how they're going to eventually yeah. come together I, I forget if he explicitly said it or if it was just kind of undertone but in season one it seemed that in addition to actual consequences it seemed like he wanted to live forever it seemed like he knew that the technology was there with these robots that his consciousness could be uploaded Damn. And I think that that's going to play into it. I think he wants, like, he's really old. Ed Harris is old as shit, and he looks worse for wear. He does. I, I think that maybe part of it is, like, he, he A, wants the thrill of dying, but also wants to be eternal. 
And he's also like you have to think he's been in this park for how many for like decades now at this point. Yeah. Like thirty years. Thirty yeah. years he's been in this park the entire time. Like yeah. he doesn't exist in the real I, world. Well, outside. he does. No, he does because yeah, he's become he, a billionaire. He's like their biggest benefactor of the park. That's mentioned. This is just his like big uh, vacation yeah, spot. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he comes in and out, but he is he's like a regular at a bar. He comes in like more than anyone probably. So, um, what do you guys think is going to happen in tonight's episode? Is right, it just so futile to kind of I, predict? I do want to. There was another like quick theory I wanted to bring up that I think will uh, be a factor in this coming episode that I read. It was a De- Den of Geek article, um, where it says that Strand, uh, the the Delos guy, knows that Bernard is a robot mm. during this whole time that they're looking around and seeing what what happened during this massacre and they're just playing along and, and they're playing along they're yeah. pandering really like shutter islandy kind Ooh, of like, I like, bla- like blade okay. runner yeah that's a great theory right that's so, see this is why i like the show i love just being like hey what do you guys think you know yeah <laughs> I, that's, I, lo- I like i don't need to go on reddit and read about it you know i yeah. can talk to you guys about yeah, ex- it hey fuck you man hey we're i don't want to talk to drew about it yeah. but hunter and bernie <laughs> what do you guys think yeah another one that i read that i like we mentioned it earlier but they did introduce the concept of like just putting your brain in someone else's brain you know robot brain right so the theory that maybe dolores is someone else i think maybe has more credence than i don't think that they would make bernard someone else because we have a lot of emotional weight in bernard even knowing that he's a robot he was the anchor of season one so i don't think that they would just switch him up for the entirety of the next season on us but then again they're trying to defy expectations. That's what the show kind of actively is trying to do. So we can't say for sure. I'm just hopeful um, in the next episode or two, we see Samurai World. I yeah. think we, I really, think we yeah, will. We're, we're about to. I think that I'm, I'm hopeful that that's where... Uh, I think it's called Shogun World. Shogun, yeah, Shogun World, yeah. yeah I'm hoping that that's where... Fucking insensitive shit. Yeah. I don't, yeah earlier I don't, you called it Sushi Sumo World? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fucked up. Uh, China World? I don't yeah. know. And then it's before the that, he was calling it Isle of Dogs World. Yeah. <laughs> Quick, okay, la- last question. Was Teddy the one floating in the water at yes. the end? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Okay. 100% he was. His character genuinely means nothing to me. I don't... I don't know about you. Guys. Hey, man, Marston, I love Marsden. Yeah, I think, I think he's important for Dolores. Yeah, that's that's his she, main point yeah. in the story. Yeah, he's it, a plot device. He seem, and he seems like he's kind of like the thing that's anchoring that is going to at least try to anchor Dolores yeah. to reality Definitely. from just going completely that's, off the fucking. Deep yeah, end. basically the whole episode, he's just riding around on horses with her, going, "I don't know about this." Yeah, genocide. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I did like the uh, the little scene that the two of them have together, and there was a little bit of on the nose dialogue there. But I like this whole scene where you can kind of, I mean, it's just excellent acting by the two of them that you can, without really saying anything uh, directly against her like you can just kind of see this look of like i might have i might have fucked up maybe i saddled up with the wrong girl here like maybe this is i'm, I'm no, way too in over well, my head his, it's again it's his programming to be in love with her yeah, yeah. and he's so <laughs> and it's also his programming to be the, like kind of a, just an innocent like Mary yeah Sue he's a good hero. guy yeah. yeah he's just the good guy he's james first. marson he's just like i'm just yeah. here to like save the damsel and be happy and I, now the damsel is going to be the one who's kind of like saving him yeah. in some instances because she's just an ultimate badass i get a feeling he's going to be the one to tell her like hey what if like these decisions like don't really matter like kind of be that voice of reason and then he yeah. dies yeah, I think, yeah, he'll probably have some kind of, like, simpleton but profound wisdom exactly. where he's like, yeah. well, if we're still robots, then how do you know that you're not still being controlled? You know, there is theories of <laughs> other parks. Good, good James Marsden accent, bro. Yeah, we know that there's six parks. Yeah. So I, I hope are, that we, we I, see. I hope that we see all of them. Yeah, that'd be great. 
All right. Well, let's take a break. And when we get back, we're going to be talking. Um, what's this movie called again? Um, it's Solo, right? The Leftovers. Yeah, The Leftovers. Da, 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 da. Right. We'll be back. <laughs> Problem with Avengers is what? too much Black Widow. It's like it's like get her, you know. Come on. You know my problem with most movies these days? Too much women. <laughs> like you know what? Movies they're men's things. And that's okay? gonna fucking hate me if we just talk about the women. That's Go, get back on HGTV. <laughs> Jesus. Go back on the cooking you're record- channel. You're recording, right? Yeah. We have that recorded. <laughs> Honestly, House Hunters is, like, hilarious to Yo, watch. I'm not going to lie. Guy has been making it because uh, she has hooked up a Roku. And so we either have on Food Network or HGTV. And House Hunters, one, I don't know if you know this, that there's about 1,800 episodes of House Hunters. Yeah, there's, like, there's 30 seasons. so fucking many episodes yeah. of House Hunters. And, like, it's just, it's hilarious. It's, it's so funny. Well, the other trivia with that show is that uh, they have already bought the house. Like, you have to yeah. have... Uh, proof that you bought the house to be on the show. Well, I thought I thought house hunters were like the little gremlin things that like run around your house at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Haunters? No. Like Pokemon? No, hunters. Rick and Morty did. <laughs> it's me, yeah. Rick and Morty did a bit on that in one of the interdimensional cables where they were just flipping through and it was like a guy shooting a house that was running away. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's, you, just, let's just use their bit then. How, how you guys been doing? How, how's everyone been doing ever ever since ever since Avengers? Man, so many tears were shed and not for the reasons that were, we're intended. We're back, by the way. Um, <sighs> that wasn't even like a comeback from the break. That was just us like talking. Well, that's what they I, all you, are, Hunter. Did you clip out the anti-Semitic stuff that I said? Uh, I don't want sure my family that. coming after me. <laughs> okay. Hunter thinks Semites are women. <laughs> well, I mean... Why don't you speak on that, Brett? <laughs> speak, speak on that. Jesus Fucking the tension Christ. is great. This is great for the air, you know. But yeah, no, it was seeing Avengers was awesome. I had a little kid kicking the back of my chair, so it was like oh, it was like a 4D right. kind of experience. Did you really? It was like D box. Oh yeah, it was yeah. Great. We, we did have a 
lot of rambunctious families surrounding like us. Like lots of like little babies, like literally a stroller right in front of me in the handicap yeah. section. I guess it was a you handicap know, baby. That kid was respectful. <laughs> it shut the fuck up for the movie. It did. It really did. Is he asleep? Yeah. Good. Oh, I just wanted to say, um, so I saw this movie twice. The second time I saw it was in IMAX 3D. So, you know, it's opening weekend. Everybody, anytime a new character pops up, they see Captain America. Everybody applauds and it's like, woo, yeah. yeah. There was this guy sitting next to me who was like, he was so into Thanos. Anytime that Thanos got another stone, he would just clap. Yeah. Like, he got so excited and then... By the end of the movie, he was like applauding. He was the only person who was just like, "Yes!" Oh my god, yes. that was that was Brett's it was hilarious. joke. Yeah, that, that was that was my joke because I was so fucking annoyed with people. We had clapping so much clapping. I was honestly fine with it because I was I was just interested in it. I I usually I, do not go to theaters where people clap, but this was the biggest theater and it was in a shopping mall so the audience was very general, filled with sheep, dude. It was so it was sheep. yeah. I mean, it was just fan- like you would hear the people behind us. Someone would make like a really basic joke and he'd be like, Haha, Iron Man hates that guy. Like they would explain it. <laughs> <laughs> Something that doesn't need to be explained yeah, exactly. at all. Uh. No, I mean, I think I, I kind of like going. I mean, I like seeing movies like this, like big, huge blockbuster movies. I like seeing them opening weekend and I like seeing them like two weeks later. When I, I got to do that. Because yeah. I like seeing movies like whether it's a Star Wars movie or a Marvel movie where you're there with the audience. The and, energy like, of You the feel crowd. the energy, everything. That's how it was the first time yeah. we saw Ready Player One was people, the audience was so into it. Like yeah. it was crazy. I recognize the reference. The Kessel Run. The Kessel, the Kessel Run. run. <laughs> I could, you know, if anything, if there's any cheering, I could excuse it would be like thanos getting another infinity stone like that's kind of cool you're cheering for thanos then well thanos i just knew that you were fucking evil well if we want to start talking about the movie you start you do kind of look like a purple thumb (laughs) with a nutsack again with the anti-semitism it's like (laughs) you gotta stop man i'm still thinking about whether the holocaust happened in the bright universe yeah right or (laughs) 9-11 oh boy what happened there that's that's funny Um, okay so we can't really talk about this movie without spoilers. So let's just kind of give some well, general thoughts yeah, let's yeah, about we, how yeah. we feel and then devote the big chunk of this podcast to just really picking it apart in the spoiler section. Um, obviously, this movie is probably gonna break the record for the biggest opening weekend of all time. We Hunter and I predicted a little bit of this last week and mm. our predictions were a little low. We thought it was gonna be like two or three all time and sounds um, like a great fucking episode last week uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh it looks like it's gonna be number one um no surprise there it's wow. fucking everyone is every fucking theater in town is selling out so mm-hmm. it's it's ridiculous it's projected mm-hmm. to be like upwards of 250 million yeah right 250 uh right now star wars the force awakens has the record with 247.9 okay. so right. 248 yeah, so well, we were predicting like 240 245 yeah so a it's, little bit low but yeah good for um, disney kill me yeah okay. thank god they need they really need a big break yeah. so brett what did you think of avengers infinity war the 19th entry in the marvel cinematic universe from the directors of you me and dupree anthony and joe russo 2018 it was a lot of uh hey how am i gonna get out of this one dude <laughs> Yeah. No. Yes. Yeah, wow. Dupree. I can't believe Owen Wilson got recast as a uh, as Iron Man. As Iron Man and Captain America. But yeah. so Scarlet Witch. General thoughts. I, I would have just called this movie Avengers Ex Machina. That's what it felt like the entire time. But 
Really? Was that an insult to Ex Machina? I think he means Deus. No, he means the like like Deus Ex Machina, not the movie. The entire Uh. premise of (laughs) Ex Machina. Um, The word. So, I went and I I'm I generally I liked it. The things that I was worried about, obviously, so many characters. How are we going to care about all these characters? How the how the hell is pacing going to work out? And it was all right. The pacing was okay. You know, I wasn't bored. There was a lot of action. I really wanted to see big action. I don't want to spoil any specifics about that. You know, going in, there's going to be big action, but you know, really awesome. Like, let's see some fucking superpowers, dude. I want to see what they can really do. So that was really nice. And you know, I, I feel like I still care. I was worried that I was really not going to give half a fuck at the end of this movie No, same yeah. for, for future movies. And I think I'm going to be down to keep watching. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, so I was kind of talking a little bit about this with Ernest because we both saw this on Thursday night and then we kind of had to talk to each other about this. And I kind of feel like you can't judge this as a movie because there are two ways to think about this. As a movie, it's not great. There's a lot of, lot of problems with it. But as the culmination of everything that Marvel has been building to, it does a pretty excellent job. It is a story about the MacGuffins of MacGuffins. You get six MacGuffins and you've got the MacGuffin. Like, that's what the story is. And that's what the whole story is leading to. There is no time spent setting up these characters. Probably smartfully so, just because, like, how... Except for Thanos. Smartfully. 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 (laughs) George W. Bush over here. No, I, wisely so. No, because it's, you it's literally television. can't. It's really television. It really, and that's that was my whole thing coming out of it is that this has officially reached the point where you cannot judge Marvel movies as movies anymore, and they're yeah. TV shows at it this is, point. It's very. It's it's. This was the season finale of yeah, uh, of Phase Three. It was yeah. Phase Three finale. And hey, man, don't forget about Ant Man and the Wasp. Oh, that's shit. the real Phase Three. That's finale. like an extra end credit uh, scene. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna whip out Brett's favorite impression again. A guy watching Ant Man one. Where's the wasp? No, I thought that was... <laughs> Brett, yeah, Drew, I, Brett hated that the first I time, so Drew, I said it again. I ran into Drew, and he's like, so what do you think of my impression of somebody watching uh, Ant-Man? And I was like, it was terrible. <laughs> Brett gets it. What did you think of this movie, um, Drew? Okay, I mean, I've said it plenty on the pod. I've, I went in tired... I went in very. Defeated. I went in not expecting it to hold up to my even low expect. I mean, I expected it to be perfectly adequate, and I think it was definitely better than that. It does, like we said, I judged it more as television. It one hundred percent relies on you, the the viewer, having watched over thirty hours of material. Oh yeah, I mean, you can't. This can't be like your introduction to the MCU, yeah, exactly. like, or otherwise you're going to be like, I. Why do I care and, about any? Well, of this? and also statistically, it's probably not like. Even for like a dumb movie viewer, like they wouldn't just finally now be like, "Hey, I should check out some of these movies." Well, I I will say that it doesn't it doesn't necessitate you to have had to watch all of the Marvel movies. Say no. you saw like one Captain America movie, or you saw one Thor movie. That's enough to be like, "Oh fuck, yeah. that's Captain America." Really? But yeah. but the Thor movies, you should watch Ragnarok because Thor is a completely different character yeah, now than he was in the first yeah, two Thor you, movies. You yeah, could, he's a bro. Well, let's not let's not talk about. That you could essentially you could narrow it down to maybe five movies that are kind of essential for this. The first two Avengers, um, Guardians, Civil War, and yeah, you have to know the Guardians. Um, but I mean. I, I really was imp- honestly impressed with this movie. Dis- you know, after leaving and thinking about it, I'm maybe a little cooler on it just because of certain concepts that didn't really hold up. But 
it's there's just like this movie shouldn't have worked as much as it did for me and i think i would put it above the other two avengers movies that's not a shock with age of ultron i'm i really didn't like that movie at all um but the first one i thought was a solid movie i think this one did better for me in that i feel while it was obviously bloated it was going to be no matter what i think that it hit better in terms of drama uh, in terms of actual impact and in terms of humor, which is a big part of these movies, the the first two Avengers movies have a lot of light chuckles, and which is one of my least favorite forms of joke, like a joke that's almost inevitable and you already know it before they say it. Um, and I think that this one definitely outclassed it in those terms. Uh, and it was just overall like it had flaws, but I think it was very competently directed. I, I I'm a big fan of the Russo brothers. Um, you know, dating back to their community days specifically. And I'm really, you know, I'm like almost weirdly proud of them, even though that's like almost condescending to say sons. Well, they directed some of the best episodes of that series. Yeah. They, yeah. And they, for sure. I mean, this is about as high as it gets in terms of like the scale of a project, not in terms of like artistic integrity or anything, but this movie, I think my, my quick synopsis is that I liked it more than I should have. And more than I thought I would. So I saw this movie twice um, uh, and I'm actually, I feel like I'm higher on the Avengers crossover movies than you guys. Uh, the, well, the, yeah. Avengers one is your favorite. That's Marvel. my favorite Marvel movie. And I will always defend Ultron for its weirdness and boldness and risks. Even though that movie is a mess, it tries to do some really crazy shit. And a lot of it doesn't work, but we've gotten into this flow with these movies that they kind of just work from an assembly line perspective and they know how to piece them together and make them work perfectly well. And I think Ultron was willing to take these weird risks and willing to kind of go down these kind of strange paths that, again, don't work, but I I commend it for that. Um, So I went into this movie pretty hopeful that it was gonna be the culmination of 10 years and you know 18 19 movies and that the russos would be able to deliver this coherent piece of entertainment you know i'm kind of skidding away from calling it a movie because of what you were saying hunter but it, it is that crossover event it is like basically the comic books come to life you know it you get all of these it, this happens all the time in the comics where all these characters are set up in their own stories and they come together in this big crossover book that doesn't have to set them up because you've been following their stories in their own books. So this is really what it is, what what we're seeing here in Infinity War is like this big event picture. It's It does not work as a movie at all it's really half a movie if anything when they announced this they, they announced this as part one of two and they dropped that um in the recent couple years and in the marketing and everything about it but seeing smartly the movie, so because people don't want to pay to see half a movie smartfully but, smartfully. <laughs> yeah. but this is half a movie it, it it doesn't really work as a singular work and it shouldn't because you are expected to go into this movie kind of knowing where all of these characters come from. You know, you are expected to watch the previous MCU entries that set up the characters. You know, that's that's why they did this. That's why they were building up to this big, big culmination of everything so that you don't have to worry about 
you know, introducing these characters to the audience in this movie. You do it in the other movies so that you spend two and a half hours of Infinity War punching big, bad Thanos. Um, and I will say that I am very, very conflicted about this movie because on my first viewing, I was just so kind of down and confused and shocked and a little sad that I couldn't really bring myself to say like, yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I love that. Um, and the film side of my brain just kept nagging at me and saying like that this movie is a mess. It's a bloated disaster. It doesn't make any sense. It's just almost nonsense. But then the Marvel comic book fan uh, side of me. You're like Venom where the film side is like you're. Disney. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. love this movie. Yeah, it, it it just kind of told me that that side of me made me realize that like, you know, this movie should be a mess. Everything about it just screams like bloated, incoherent cacophony of just nonsense. The fact that it's not that is an amazing triumph. The fact that the Russos were able to take this just fucking hodgepodge mashup of just completely different franchises and, and put them all together into a story that you can follow and be pretty invested in. Like Upon second viewing even, there were moments that gave me chills in this movie. And there's a lot of moments that are going to make me want to revisit this movie because there is a lot of of gravitas in in this film particularly with thanos which is really surprising because we'll, we'll talk about that more for yeah sure. i yeah. definitely wanted to um add to that that i the one of the like i think probably the biggest highlight of this movie is that i cared about Thanos' character when all leading up to it we were just talking about coming off of black panther which had such a compelling a villain with Eric Killmonger. It was like I don't think that I'm gonna give a shit about a space alien, but like a purple guy. Yeah, and I, it's not. I wouldn't say his performance is as good or as memorable as Killmonger's is. However, I do understand where he's coming from, and like I feel like the secret to making a good villain is they don't think that they're a villain. They think that they're doing the right thing, and you feel that with Thanos. He has these kind of environmental concepts that he's going off of, and I buy into that. Um, Which is a big change from the comic books, because in the books, all he's doing is he's trying to woo a woman. He's in love with, really? with Lady Death. Yeah, with Death. And that's all he wants to do. He wants the gauntlet to like make her happy and, and please yeah. her and, this, and it's, impress her. It's definitely better. A lot was riding on Josh Brolin's performance, who is a great actor. He, yeah, this he, was a great performance well, Josh, by him. Josh Brolin's just kind of never done anything poorly. And if I were to guess, I'm assuming he got the most screen time in the whole movie. Because... Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, he interacts with every individual like separated set of characters. Um, and I think he really did a solid job. I think... It's like you get the motives. I think it could have gone maybe a little more into it. He's just kind of like, yeah, if there's half the people, then that'll be better. Which, I mean, it's obviously more complex than that. Yeah, and I think the 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 technology of the facial motion capture, the, the effects, really are instrumental in you connecting with this guy. Yeah, you can see it in his like eyes and the way that his eyebrows It's move. amazing. Like, it, you, it, it looks great. It's what, it feels like a great performance, which is weird to say, and you wouldn't expect that from just... Thanos, like yeah. that, you wouldn't expect to get a great performance from that. Speak, speak, but 
Oh, sorry. sorry, go ahead. Um, just speaking of Thanos, I don't want to go too deep into what you guys are talking about. I do like think we should wait for spoilers, but Ernie, you had a really good point where you mentioned uh, the assembly line idea when it comes to these Marvel products. Mm-hmm. It really feels like a product, and if you look at this one, it's as if the Russo brothers perfectly optimized this assembly line. That's what it feels like. Yeah. They're like, like their boss came up to them, they're like, you have to put even more of this in yeah. there. And they're like, all right, we can do it. Yeah. And it's like, it all just comes to a head with Thanos. Can, can you can, imagine? You can't, I can't believe that this worked. It's right. like kind of one of the biggest things. Can you imagine the amount of planning that must have gone between the Russos and then Marcus and McFeely, the screenwriters, the amount of planning that this four these four guys had to go in order to figure out all of the placement of all of these characters and how they were going to interact with each other and how right. they were going to yeah. be grouped together it, it, and the, the arcs of all of them and all of it making sense and, and coming together coherently. It's This kind oof. of leads into another thing that I was thinking because this movie is incredibly dense. Like, this is a dense fucking movie, yeah. which is... Almost to too, its like, too much. And yeah. kind of to its compliment because it's amazing that a two-hour and 40-minute movie, it never dragged, which is it's kind of non-stop, just... nonstop, yeah. It's a credit to the characters. However, like... I did kind of find myself, especially on the first viewing, wanting just some more moments of just like, like exhale, like all right, yeah. this is just a calm moment. We're good here. Yeah, you're right. But we didn't you don't get really get those. Mo- most and of that, that, most of the calm moments were with the uh, guardians. Class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just Definitely. comic relief. Yeah. But even still, because you're looking at characters that would be leads in their own movies, you're still like invest in like every line of dialogue that they're saying and that's why i think this movie i definitely uh i agree with you that my opinion of it definitely improved after seeing it a second time i feel like this is a movie that's kind of because it's so dense it's intended for you to see multiple times to kind of catch more little things along the way whether it's little moments or just kind of understanding the characters and their relationships a little bit more um yeah i i Definitely recommend seeing this movie a second time. Also, I really recommend uh, for those of you listening to see this movie in IMAX. I saw this movie if in you're IMAX. Able to, it's, I saw it in yeah. IMAX 3D, and I mean, pretty much this entire movie. I'm not a 3D person. I normally hate seeing movies in 3D, and it just so happened the only time I could go, they only had a showing for IMAX 3D. So I went to it, but. This pretty much the entire movie is shot on IMAX the cameras. Whole movie. The entire movie yeah. is, and it takes up the full the IMAX full screen. screen, and it the sound is amazing. Look is amazing, and Dolby. this isn't this isn't like an in your face 3D because that's the shit that I hate is whenever it's they take a shot that's clearly meant for a 3D audience where it's like, whoa, the T Rex is coming right out to bite yeah, you, like shit like we that. Call that, I hate uh, that. We call that Great Gatsby 3D. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, where you're like, it's intended to make you want to buy a 3D yeah, ticket so that, that the they Lerman. get more money. See, yeah, seeing it in 2D, I, there was never a moment where I was like, oh, oh boy, there's something coming at me. Yeah, yeah, and in 3D, you don't feel that either. It just, the 3D is so impressive in this movie because it just kind of provides more depth to the screen. It feels huh. like... Huh. <laughs> it, not depth to the characters, though. Um, <laughs> but uh, it feels more like whenever you're watching it on this huge screen with the 3D, it feels kind of like you're in the room with these characters. Um, and the cinematography of this movie is absolutely so impressive. Yeah, That's for one it of being the things, like mainly like cartoons. Yeah, and for <laughs> CGI I mean, stuff. it's a lot of the battle sequences are pretty much entirely CGI, which. I, we've talked about it before, but it's kind of gotten to the point that anytime I see a CGI battle sequence, I kind of just turn my brain off yeah, a little bit. It's all computers. And while I don't think this is the 
best of any Marvel movie. It's certainly up there with like some of the better work that they've done because it does feel a little bit more cohesive than a lot of other big CGI battle scenes. That was my biggest problem with Black Panther and a movie that I otherwise love. The action is pretty bland in Black Panther. Especially in that third act. Yeah, it's like yeah. really just really generic and I'm like, what, what am I even looking at right now? With this movie, I never felt confused as like, all right, what am I looking at right now? It's like it all clear. had pretty, co- Especially pretty context in in IMAX. Like yeah, on that we get a check every time someone says IMAX on that yeah. largest. On this that podcast largest. is brought to you by IMAX. But I'm, I'm what serious. does it stand like, for? Like the the fact yeah. that it's it's just this giant picture. It makes it so much more crisp and clear, uh, and it it really you get a lot out of the format for sure. Um, I do want, want to go back to the idea, but you know, before we move into the specifics of the plot and all, the idea of this movie kind of being this obligatory muscle that our society just kind of has to flex. Like, yeah, it's but- gotten to the point where you just kind these movies like they're just gonna keep coming. Like that's what infinity means, really. It's just the fact that it's inevitable for them to keep being made, and we are just we're just stuck like in this yeah in in this place where we just watch them and we digest them and we shit them out and that's that's all it is and the fact that they're good is i i really appreciate that because otherwise i i wouldn't i wouldn't partake in imagine this if at all. Zack snyder made this movie yeah that's see, i would be checked out like see, it, i wouldn't care yeah it really reminds me a lot of my opinion on the last jedi where with these movies that are a the biggest project you can probably take on as a filmmaker and then b mostly not mostly but largely pushing to sell things uh, compelling storyline can be an afterplot or an afterthought. Right. And so just the fact that I felt compelled by this movie was the main thing that A, I was looking for. And when I found it, I, I saw that as a big victory for, for the Russo brothers and whatever the guys who wrote its names are. Uh, Marcus and McFeely. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I was surprised by that. I, that cause that, it really is not the primary focus of these product movies to like actually generate like real emotions. Avengers, like the first Avengers, like definitely skirts with some light feelings. Like there's some feelies here and there, but I think this one definitely goes deeper into that arena. And I also think that they made a very smart move where one of the things that I really like, I mean, I, I would still say that the Avengers is a better film. The first Avengers movie is a better film than this one, but like a cohesive. Yeah, it, it makes story. sense. It makes sense as a singular story. However, like I kind of hated just like all right, well we're getting these new characters together. I guess they they have to fight each other first, and they have to establish like, hey, wait, I'm a good guy. You're a good guy too. Let's be good guys together. Like they had to like establish that, and that took like an hour of the movie. Yeah. And in this, it just streamlines all of that, and we just get right into like. I mean, it literally hey, starts together. at the end of some sort of big fight. It starts <laughs> at the end of Ragnarok. It picks yeah. up exactly where Ragnarok ends, and. I will get more into spoilers, but I love the first scene of this movie. The first scene of this movie, I was in just because you're dropped in right in the middle of an action scene. It yeah. reminded me of kind of like the Last Jedi, where you pick up and you're already in the in battle. The thick of it, yeah. yeah. Okay. Any last thoughts before we get into spoilers? No. Do we want to nah, rate? Let's, let's get into spoilers. Let's give some, some ratings. I'd, I'd give it like a strong seven to a light eight. Probably like a solid, yeah, like a yeah, strong seven, light eight. 
It's it's really good. Mm. It's really good, but it has a lot of issues. I just, I just don't know what I'd be rating it against, like other Avengers movies every, specifically. Every movie you've ever seen. Yeah. Every That's, movie I've ever seen. Give it seen. like a 12. All right, 12 out of 10. Yeah. Okay. I See... That's why I kind of kept going to this thing where I was like, well, as a movie, it's a 6 out of 10. As a Marvel culmination, it's like, it's a, like nine. a 9 out of yeah. 10. So I'm going to go somewhere in the middle and say it's going to be like a 7.5 to yeah. an 8. It, it was like a 7. If you're seeing it a second time, it's up to like a 7.5, 8, light 8. And then, Drew, you give it like a poopity scoopity out of 10? Yeah, I give it PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... I, don't, I mean... Leaving the movie, I was so much higher on it than I had ever intended on being, and I'm still kind of there. I want to, I want to give it an eight, but I know that it's so deeply flawed. I can't. I, I'm just gonna be bland and probably put it right around where you guys have it. Well, let's yeah. let's talk about that because it's leaving the movie. I'm higher and higher. Like as we talk about it, as I think about it. Just it did something so exactly. well that made it a compelling mm-hmm. that's, story. Yeah, that's why I want to give it an eight. I mean, in terms of complication, it's like a million. You know, like when you consider what they oh, had yeah. to do, the, the, I would give the it a technical an, feat. Exactly. <laughs> when you consider what they had to do, like when the expectation and the vision for what they set out to do, and then the rating of that on that scale is like in ten. They did everything they wanted to do in this movie, but I don't think that everything they wanted to do makes for a good movie. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, that's what I'm battling with. It's in my head so right now. hard to actually like give this movie a true yeah, rating because all the all of their intentions are not completely yeah. as pure. a movie. It's not <laughs> successful. Like yeah. it, we'll talk about that, but it is yeah. not successful. So let's, just let's, looking as an independent. Let's film. go ahead and do that. Let's get all into right. It. So you you guys have probably seen it because everyone's going to see this fucking because it already made two hundred and fifty million dollars. So you've you probably seen it. Don't want it to be spoiled for you. Stop listening now, and we're going to talk spoilers. Come, starting. Come back after you've seen it four times. Now. Okay. So I, I was so glad that Justin Thoreau came back from the dead. <laughs> he yeah, he revisited his character from The Last Jedi. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. After he, he passed away on the casino planet, uh, he just came back he as revived by Captain I just, Marvel with a beard. By Benicio del Toro also made a return. <laughs> I think I think Shark Boy was my favorite superhero of this one. <laughs> yeah. You know what there should have been is a Shark Boy Lava Girl Spy Kids crossover. Oh my god! I mean, you guys know that they got the CGI guy from Spy Kids to be to make Thanos. Yeah, the thumb thumb guy. The thumb guy. Honestly, thumb guy. Remember the thumb monster? I fucking hate that guy, dude. That's so fucking weird. Um, (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah. So, so Avengers, Avengers, Infinity War. I want. I want to bring something up. I want to kick off our discussion with Thanos because I think you could have kind of called this movie like. Thanos Infinity War if he just got a little bit more screen time or just Thanos yeah he really is yeah. all over Logan. the place he's mm-hmm. I, uh, they, they did him so well that's the one thing that keeps coming back to my head like this villain was actually done well like Josh Brolin holy shit how did he manage to pull off acting it so well the like the tears were kind of believable kind of kind of but he has a great voice you do you do be, you believe that he genuinely believes in his mission. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's that's what makes him a compelling villain. He's the hero of his story. And, like, it's not as much as, like, with Eric Killmonger, you can tell, like, he's just like, I want to get these weapons to give them to people because, like, they're being oppressed by society. And that's more of a believable thing. Like, I... I was cheering for Killmonger more, but like Thanos has this weirdly like environmental message that's just like there are limited resources on on around the universe and we're overpopulated. So if we just 
randomly selected half the population, just randomly choose rich and poor, doesn't yeah, matter, exactly. and you, wipe them out. He's not a villain you root for, but he's a villain you understand. He's, for, yeah. he's forcing you to agree with him yeah. with logic, where Killmonger is, is more yeah, um, he, pathos. And yeah, because yeah. he has justific- He doesn't have like the big justification for his action that makes you be like, yeah, for sure, do it, so, obviously. In terms of performance and execution, I prefer Thanos so much more to Killmonger. I think everything about Thanos in this movie, I just worked so much better for me than than Killmonger. Well, I think, honestly, in retrospect, I think uh, Killmonger's intentions were very, very cool and more interesting, probably. But I I think the performance was worse. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to get at. It's like, Brolin is so damn good in this movie that he really (laughs) holds it together. Like, he, his, Thanos is what makes this movie for me if it wasn't for this character being realized so well this movie would completely fall apart for me so do you talk about like what you think was going through the russo brothers heads when they were kind of putting that together i just think that they they knew that every other character had been set up before except for thanos exactly so they knew that this was the movie that would have to focus on him for it to work for you to care and you know we're in spoilers he wins at the end. Yeah. So and this is his journey. This is he succeeds in his story, mm-hmm. and he's. I mean, he follows kind of a, a genuine anti-hero's journey where he does make an incredible sacrifice, which is a great, great scene. It's probably one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah. Um. I got chills, man. It w- it it's was so heartfelt, so heartbreaking. It it was re- it worked for me, and and I don't even care that much about Gamora, but I cared about her within the context of that scene a whole lot. Like that scene was weighted very well. Okay, so I have very complex feelings about the ending of this movie. I thought that it was like the ballsiest ending that they that I think I've ever seen in a major blockbuster oh, movie yeah. like this. However, I keep kind of thinking back to it like, all right, well, does any of this fucking matter? Like, we're getting another Spider-Man movie next year. They're already going to make another Black Panther movie. Obviously, these people aren't fucking yeah. dead. So, yeah. so, like, what's the point? This is, this is the thing I was grappling with watching the movie. My... I, I think it was so well executed, and they gave yeah. so much time to these disappear scenes. Dude, Tom Holland. Yeah, dude. that yeah. was. I mean, that was gut wrenching, and I think it works well enough for me that my disbelief was truly suspended. Even though the whole movie, I'd been thinking, "All right, well, who dies? And if he dies, well, then it's not real." Even though that was in my the back of my head, it still worked. It still worked until for me. yeah, until afterward. The and way then, that the score cuts out, it, like as soon as the he snaps yeah, his fingers, no is amazing. Also, I want to give a shout out to Alan Silvestri. This is definitely his best score for Avengers movie that he's ever yeah, done. I love the Thanos theme. It's yeah. like a cello with a violin, and it's just so moody and sad. Yeah. And, oh, it's great. Um. But yeah, so like back to the ending, we were like literally in the theater while we were waiting for the end credits scene. We were like doing research on like, all right, well, who's coming back? The two that I was like dead, that that made me really. Definitely Spidey. Yeah, the parts where I was dead sure that these people were coming back is T'Challa and Spidey. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, those are the hot products and for Marvel. Those, those two disappearances, the departures, whatever you want to call them, because they're not really deaths, are the most striking because, first of all, Tom Holland's performance, like Tom Holland's so fucking there's good. There's this layer of meta right there <laughs> when he's clinging on to RDJ and he's just like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Like, I just got here. I just became an Avenger. I yeah. don't want to mm-hmm. go. And it's so heartbreaking. And then with T'Challa, Denai Guerrero's reaction 
to yeah. to T'Challa's disappearance is probably some of the best acting in the whole movie. <laughs> Just her holding his hand and then like her shocked face. Yeah. It's like, whoa. Yeah. yeah, and the CG I think worked very well in those scenes yeah. and it really had I mean, it, to. Yeah, HBO didn't have that it, kind of budget. It, it, so. it, it could have been cornball and it really wasn't. And I think it was handled from beginning to end well because the introduction to this concept had to work. And they, it was the best choice to A, not show Thanos making it happen. It just starts happening. You're like, oh fuck, oh fuck, it's happening. Yeah, well, and first you see Bucky. Yeah, the first one's Bucky and you're like, oh no, oh yeah, no. Yeah, that, that was a really good choice. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah because he's kind of inconsequential but you're like, wait, that means that it's it's happening yeah they're and, doing and it's, it and it's a and it's a good few he minutes of, he's just like steve and then he's gone yeah it's a good few minutes of relative compared to the rest of the movie silence yeah i i did think though i was it was interesting i don't know if you guys noticed this that pretty much most of the characters most of our main characters they disappear except for the four core. the four the core four are yeah. still there and I want to see, like, of course, we've been introduced to the time stone now, so we know that there is a way to reverse time and kind of prevent this from yeah. happening. But, like, I just, I can't wait to see this group of four characters come back together again and try to reverse everything that just happened here. Coming out of this movie, I was very, like, I, I was so just trying bleak. I was try, it's very it's extremely it's a bleak bummer, man. like nobody's applauding at the end of this movie except for the guy who's cheering for Thanos <laughs> literally he was the only one in the theater clapping at the end of the movie I, honestly <laughs> I loved that about this movie I love a movie that just like it, it didn't piss off the audience I don't want to say that but it bewildered the audience they were so conditioned by 20 other shocked. movies there's 20 other movies to work with where you're like okay here comes the good and then it's just yeah. credits. And it's yeah. even set up by Doctor Strange where he says there's only one scenario. In oh, my God. Okay, win. so I will say that's another one of my issues in this movie is I think for the most part it's well written. There's some like major eye-rolly script moments and that was one of the moments where he's just like they like look over and they're like hey is your friend always do that and he's just sitting there his head's like twitching <laughs> go, go, around go, go. and he's just like I went into the future I analyzed all possible outcomes how many outcomes are there 14,612 how many do we win one it's well, like were, like he scanned come he's, on he's, like come he scanned over on. 14 million I mean it's like the, the little clue to the audience like yeah, there's so hope. Doctor Strange knows what's going on. He's had time with the Infinity Stones. Thanos has barely owned them that long. No, I'm just saying it's a bad script moment. Like that's just like a bad writing thing for but me. But it's a it's a necessary setup because we're made to understand that because Doc Strange like has been pledged to protect this stone, that he wouldn't just give it away for Iron Man because he said he told Iron Man, like, I'm not gonna save you because I need to protect this stone. And he gives it away, and we know that there's only one scenario, and then before Doc Strange disappears, he yeah, says, this is the only way. It's really well set up. Like, Doctor Strange is so, so meticulous. He, like, he was a surgeon. He has a like, plan. Yeah. I'm kind of curious for when these people disappear, where exactly do they go? Because coming out of the theater, like, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, all right, obviously they're dead. What if... Whenever he snapped his fingers, it took half the population and moved them to like this alternate dimension. Well, so it could there's be, this guy called Jesus Christ, and uh, <laughs> after you die, no, it could be a leftover. Here we go again with this fucking I mean, bullshit. I, there is there is something to be said about the Russos being fans of the leftovers, and if they <laughs> yeah, saw Carrie Coon is in this movie. Oh like, wait, fuck, Brett, you never. You never finished the leftovers. Oh, and I'm not done you? with leftovers. God so we can't talk damn leftovers. it! We won't get specifically into spoilers, okay, but so 
There is a moment in the last episodes of The Leftovers that could explain what happened. Because, you know, the whole mystery of The Leftovers is where did all these people disappear to? So in the finale, there is a moment with a certain character that that is something that uh, he or she says that could explain (laughs) what happened to all of these characters. If they use that same concept, you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So... God, we can just move on, so I don't, I don't want to <laughs> yeah, dwell yeah. on this. But, just, but um, yeah, like we were talking about the ending, and you know, for like maybe five seconds, I was like, man, there's like really false consequences here. Like thirty seconds in my head, I'm like, man, this is like false. Or, right? We were talking about Spider-Man yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously is going to come back, but then it really didn't matter to me. I was just really happy that there was consequences. Well, exactly. There was that shock. There were, the, and there was like an unsatisfying ending. And so, yeah, for a second we were upset, but then my brain shifted and I remembered that this was a part one. So I was like, okay, so then the the mechanism becomes what are they going to do without these people? Now we have a year yeah. of theorizing and everything. Yeah, else. it just it's becomes... Just exa- it's genius by the Russo Bruce. It just becomes where do we go from here? Also, that last shot of Thanos looking out, because he says earlier in the movie, like, I just want to, like, what are you going to do after you do this? And he's just like, I'm going to sit down and watch the sunset sunrise or watch the sunrise and that's wants to hang out yeah he and that's you just see him coming out of his little hut and look up out the sunrise and you see this little smirk on his face and it's so satisfying like for being such an anticlimactic ending um, why why can't he snap his fingers and make double resources for everyone right yeah like if you have control over everything make double universe yeah you have the reality stone yeah, which is super change everything. You, if you start to really pick apart what the yeah. the 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 details and the oh, of course implications yeah. Yeah. of yeah. what you can do with the infinity gauntlet oh yeah of course well so, yeah that's what, what well, I not even apart. not even just the infinity gauntlet i don't remember if it Doc was a Strange podcast i was listening too. to or something yeah yeah but it was i think it might have been the big picture podcast where they were kind of talking about this where like if you start to think about this whole idea of what the introduction of Doctor Strange and the introduction of magic into this universe is, it kind of starts to fall apart a little you bit because you're really like, do why didn't you just well, like yeah. do this thing earlier? Why don't you just like open up a portal below <laughs> Thanos and then close it and then he's chopped in half and he's dead? <laughs> that's, like that's that's well, it. Yeah, like, that's, then that's game. It's the same thing as Harry Potter. Like if you think, oh, you're like, and like what the third one, you're like, oh, they have time travel. Oh, they have time travel. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, I want to take this moment to before I forget to say that I am so pissed that Jeremy Renner was not in this movie. Yo, but so what if he disappeared? Fucking pissed, dude. What if he disappeared? Because the reason why they lost is because he wasn't in the movie. Oh my god! If, if he, Jeremy, he, all right, wait, shot him in the eyeball. Well, okay, what's the logic there? <laughs> he is the heart of the team. He holds it together. Without he's him, he's the soul they, stone, his man. Family. Without him, they fell apart. But what he, if, he what if he, Jeremy Renner was the holder of the soul stone after all? Holy I don't know. And I, don't, also, I don't give a shit about Hawkeye. Also, Ant-Man could have gotten okay. really small, crawled into Thanos' head, and then blown him up to And then he was... Yeah, no, I, we were talking about that. That or even... I mean, I like your idea more, but my original idea was he just gets really small, crawls inside the Infinity Gauntlet, gets big, Infinity Gauntlet crushed. That's it. Or Ant-Man crushed. This movie was yeah, fucking long enough, but, guys. But, I mean, crawl into his ear hole, get really big... Bam, he's dead. There's, there's plenty of shit thing. like that. The one thing I was talking about with Brett is he has 
most of the stones and he's mostly just punching people still to it's a lot of them. punching but yeah. i mean that can be excused away by the fact that maybe he's not used yeah, to he utilizing these powers he doesn't yet. really know how to use them um but yeah with i mean with any movie with implications this big you're gonna be able to find nitpicks uh for me mostly what matters is during the movie was it bothering me and for the most part it wasn't while watching i it. want to talk a little bit about the comic uh relief in this movie my favorite uh bit in this movie was with the chris's and basically oh yeah the it was kind of a meta. It was yeah. a meta thing about how uh, Chris Hemsworth has become the hot, cool Chris mm-hmm. out of everybody. Because of course, you see him and Chris Pratt, and they do the whole like plan with each other. Pratt like, still yeah, has a little putting uh, on some pounds. Yeah, he saw the little Andy Dwyer chub on him. Yeah, but and then like even uh, whenever he gets Stormbreaker, which was such a fucking cool scene. Yeah. As soon as they went to the forge, I was like, oh shit, he's about to fucking get Stormbreaker, and then he does, which was really satisfying. I, I will say that's probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. That whole bit with Peter Dink. Dinklage, like yeah, and giant Thor, Dinklage. Thor holding open that like yeah. star mechanism. All of that. The Dinklage that, part was kind of funny. All of the whole concept of that world and and that you know giant dwarf character crafting these epic weapons. Like that's so yeah. comic booky. That is the most comic book shit I've yeah, ever seen. It, it was. was perfectly realized. You know, Thor like creating this weapon that's like straight literally straight out of god of war yeah like yeah axe. <laughs> and then with groot's handle oh so that good. was that was, cool. that was a great scene um i knew that we were gonna deal with a uh, teenage angsty groot and that I was that, that was funny i am groot <laughs> yeah that was a that was you got some real acorns on you bud that was a big laugh um so as far as the don't give a fuck index goes let's talk about the relationship between vision oh and the scarlet God. witch Ugh. i wish I just that don't we cared care about this it like, would make the movie so much it better would but it's just like I just don't fucking care we've had what we've had a little bit of Ultron and then like a little bit of Civil War which is the worst part of both of those movies like this is like the only thing the only aspect of this entire like series that's a love story between two majorly powerful characters no one here fucks all of these people are completely sexless and except for these two, yeah. they just gotta hide out and in I just Scotland. Wish that we cared about that. Them. Would yeah, if they fucked this movie, would be also. Nine. Can we just pour one out for the Hulk and Black Widow romance? Yeah, yeah, look, that look, seems look, like look. it was kind of dead. Like, dude, that, I'm so sad. They were, I mean, they were just I'm like happy. high. Well, then, he can't, he can't get it up anymore. Yeah, he obviously has <laughs> yeah. some. some ED. I did enjoy. You can't that. get that Hulk dick anymore. That was a really cool thing. I like this idea. It's kind of building towards this Planet Hulk uh, idea that has kind of been bounced around for Separating a few years. Separating the Hulk two movie. characters, but like, yeah, this whole idea of like he, him, like Bruce Banner and Hulk are having this like battle with each other, where Bruce Banner is trying to be like, I'm the one in control here. I can be. Bruce now now I can be Hulk now Hulk's and Hulk's like, like no Hulk is his own character at this point yeah. which is really really cool idea also shouts out to Mark Ruffalo's agent for getting him the best deal in the movie he didn't have to do like any mocap work had was only on set for probably like a week or two yeah and then did the rest of his stuff from whatever that and yeah. he, was, he was really good R- Ruffalo he he's it's not that he's ugly, but like within the context of these movies, he's hideous. And he has a couple takes per movie that I'm like, oh man, dude. They knew! And yeah, they knew! He just has a couple takes that are a little laughable, which is fine. Speaking of laughable, um, most of Chadwick Boseman's acting in this movie is horrendous. Yo, like, <laughs> he can looks we talk? confused and bored. Yeah, I just, I, I understand, like, they made this movie before Black Panther came out, but like, 
of all the characters, there were two main characters that like I really wanted more of. One of them was Black Panther, especially because the big battle takes place in Wakanda, yeah. and T'Challa's like basically sidelined. Like nobody really gives a fuck about him. And then also Chris Evans, like Captain America, does not do much at all. Oh, in this thank movie. God. No, that was a bummer. <laughs> no, that was I like a bummer for me. But this was, was supposed to be the you, return Brett. of Cap. Like this, I I'm not a huge Captain America fan, but like I feel like this should have been. We should have gotten more Cap here. Which speaking of. I really want to see like a Black Ops movie of just Captain America, Scarlet Witch, and um, Black Widow, and Black Widow just like or not mm-hmm. Scarlet Witch, Black Widow, and um, Falcon, Falcon just like kind of going around like doing some cool yeah. Black Ops Stealth shit Avengers, together. Yeah, that's Secret Avengers. I want to see that, but like it's just it feels like we should have gotten more from Cap in this movie than we did. We should have gotten more from most of these characters. Like yeah. this is the real issue. There and- was only a couple characters where I like felt like like this was a great uh cuz I was completely out on Doctor Strange after This the was movie. a good movie for Doctor this Strange. This was a really good this really showed off Benedict Cumberbatch like it kind of showed off a little bit of like his humor and yeah. his like dry Toe-to-toe arrogance. With, um, yeah, he, I mean he's yeah, he's a great partner for like a more comic foil like Either Star Lord or RDJ, they both had some good uh, quips in there. That yeah, I I'm I'm totally with you there. This was a really good movie for him. Great movie for the whole Guardians crew. They got plenty of screen time. Oh yeah, they, they did. Were, they got a lot more screen time yeah. than I was expecting. And, them and to. they were just as funny as yeah. you know we're used to. The whole Rocket Thor, like really Thor with all the Guardians. That was my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. Other than yeah. Thanos. Okay, so someone I'm cool on, and I always have been, and I still am after this, is Bradley Cooper. I don't get it. He doesn't really have much to do in this I movie. I just, I don't, th- even when he has something to do, I don't think that what he's doing is funny with that performance. I he's don't. He's better in the Guardians movies. That's Yeah, uh, he is. I mean, he doesn't have as much to do in this one. One guy who like, I still like him. I'm not out on him, but like, his shtick is getting really old as Dave Bautista as Drax. Don't you Drax. dare. Don't no, you fucking dare. I know, so I know everybody's good. gonna be against don't me. Everybody's against dare. me. But like, it's just the same joke over and over again. Like, I get it. The scene where he's sitting there while they're having Chris Pratt and Gamora are having the dramatic heart-to-heart and he's just standing there, that scene was genuinely funny. But overall, like, I just, like, I get his bit. And, like, I'm so, like, I, it's just, like, come on. Like, come like, up with something else. Yeah, like, I get you. I'm a little bit done with it. Also, Mantis... Can she be actually dead? <laughs> like, oh, I'm fine. I don't need Mantis what is, in my what story. What did you guys think of the part where Chris Pratt ruins the whole plan by punching Thanos? It was it was a very movie movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was like really like this dude can't control himself. I, I wish for, like, I wish um he addressed it afterwards. Longer. I think that would have made it work, or that if, he would have gotten like chewed out by Stark. Yeah, oh, yeah if he was just yeah. like shit, damn it, I yeah, shouldn't have done he, that. If you like, yeah, yeah, realize what he just did because they never they You're never right. got that back. Yeah, and I that was a very like like I said, it was like a tropey movie movie yeah. moment. With that said, it makes sense mechanically. It had to be someone with. A, an uneven temper and it had to be someone who had just lost the most important thing to it, him it, yeah. it worked with the yeah. whole Gamora story it kind of all worked so, together so yeah typically at a scene like that I roll my eyes really hard but with that one I was like it's earned like that was earned the, he earned yeah, the right well, to this, punch him this movie does a lot of heavy lifting for the, the Pratt-Gamora dynamic I think yeah. in I, I watched Guardians 2 like right before I, I saw Avengers the first time and in that movie it's very incremental the progress that's made between these two characters. Yeah, barely there's, anything. There's the whole unspoken thing. That's what they talk about in that movie. That there's this unspoken thing between us. But in Infinity War, like they're in love, 
and they're fully in love and invested in each other and they sell it like the performances of both actors mm-hmm. are great and it's key to the plot of the movie not only for Gamora's death but then for Pratt freaking out about it mm-hmm. and punching Thanos like that has to work for you to be invested in the drama of that moment because the way that whole scene plays out with Thanos being like being held by all the characters that's amazing that's some great fucking choreography cinematography happening there and then the drama of the of the Pratt freak out it all clicks and it all works together. It is a very movie moment, mm. but we kind of needed that. There That's, are a few yeah. of those. Like, I mean, uh, we get the whole scene with Gamora and Nebula. And while I'm not a huge fan of Nebula, I could have done with her being actually dead. Um, I did like... <laughs> get it. Well, she's not... Yeah, I don't like women, okay? All like, the, you got women it. women should have been dead. <laughs> no, but like... I, no, I mean, I love Gamora, but like Nebula's character, I'm like not huge about, but I do love Gamora and Nebula's relationship. As these sisters who hate each other but they also love each other like I think that's a really cool dynamic that both of them they kind of grew up to hate each other because of Thanos and because of this they just have so much resentment and they try like I mean they even say Nebula tried to sneak in there to try and kill Thanos because they knew that this was his plan um, yeah, the Gamora's death just really gave me chills. Yeah, also let's talk about the return of Red Skull. That was unexpected. I, I, I thought that was going to be that. Mistress Death. I thought it was going to be the woman that Thanos is, is supposed yeah. to be like wooing, and is like Red what, Skull. Fuck. What was exactly the purpose of Red Skull coming back? Can we just there... pour one out for nobody giving a shit about <laughs> Red Skull returning? <laughs> yeah, like He's such an important character in the comics. No, and... yeah, but he popped up, and I was like. Why is Red Skull here? Like, that's not like a thing at the end of the first Captain America. Yeah, Red he Sk- well, he gets sucked into the stone. He get he like dematerializes like into the stone. Oh, yeah, I thought he like went I off to space or something. I guess I forgot about that, but no. like, I just like, I don't, like, why? Like, I just, I didn't really care is the whole thing. Do you guys think that this was just like a little kind of cameo or is he actually going to play a part? I feel in like this was movies? just a cameo. I'm, I mean, I don't want to disappoint Harry because I know Captain America, <laughs> the first Avenger is his favorite Marvel movie, but I'm, I'm excited eh. for Red Skull. It's not Hugo Weaving, Hugo Weaving um, under tons of makeup. It's another actor, um, which, you know, doesn't really matter, but Red Skull is a huge, huge character in the comics. Like, they could do a lot with him, and he's a pretty interesting villain. But if Captain Captain America is, like, his main hero that he goes against in the comics, correct? So, yeah. Like, so, if Captain America is going to die in the next movie, like, if Chris Evans' contract is coming up, then I don't really know what purpose he's really going to serve. Yeah. yeah. I mean, these movies, they, they deviate pretty far from the comics. Well, yeah. Uh, just... Uh, you were talking about how good the scene was where Thanos was getting his glove pulled off. I thought that was awesome. I thought everything on Titan was amazing. Everything on Wakanda was kind of meh as yeah. far as action goes. So there was a couple things I wanted to see coming into this movie action-wise. I wanted to see Thanos throwing fucking planets at superheroes, and he pretty much yeah, does that. He does, yeah. yeah. He rips apart a, a satellite moon and starts throwing it at Iron Man Jaw and Spider-Man. That was really fucking That's what cool. I really wanted to see. I was like, Very yes, cool. perfect. I wanted Very to see, cool. I wanted to see him use the reality stone, and he did that a little bit. You know, he tore apart shit. And yeah, we got... The scene with Gamora, him di- pretending to that die. Scene, the scene with... Yeah, the scene with Gamora there where he does the reality stone, that was a really cool scene, because then we also have this emotional moment where Gamora's like... Like Star Lord, like you have to kill me, like you have to kill me, and like Thanos is like, do it, do it, you won't, and then finally he summons up the strength to actually pull the trigger, yeah. and it's just bubbles pop out. <laughs> Chris Pratt is great in this movie. Yeah, he, he's he's great. Um, I think 
Hemsworth is great in this movie. Oh, I love Hemsworth. Hemsworth's probably my favorite. I think Thor might be my MVP other than Thanos. Uh, I loved everything that he did. But, you know, again, going back to this giant cast, like, it's it's only, it makes sense, of course, that so many of these characters get shortlisted. Like, like that the, we don't get to spend time with them. And it sucks that, you know, we only have really one movie left and I can't really it's, predict what's going to happen in that movie, but hopefully we get some actual like character moments. With yeah, because after that they're gone. I hope so, just because it also it's. I feel like it was a little bit of an odd choice that with this whole balancing act they do that they don't necessarily always prioritize the core four Avengers, namely being Captain America. Because some of the other characters get kind of... She doesn't do shit in this Yeah, movie. some of the other characters get... Which I actually had a point about that, too. Um, but uh, they get kind of sidelined, and it works for them. Like, Tom Holland's used in a very limited role in this movie, and it just, like, reminded me about everything that I love about Tom Holland. He is the best cast Spider-Man that we've ever seen. Like, just... From the very first scene that you see him in, he just like you buy into it. That's so another. Hard. That's like, another I just chills love it. moment. Imagine Tobey Maguire in this role. Oh, like, no, <laughs> no, as yeah. like Mr. emotional. Sir, no, I don't want to die, sir, Mister. The the um the moment where Spidey first swings into action from the school bus. Oh, chills. so cool. Yeah, chills. I just I love that scene so much. Um, but to your point about Black Widow, um, I I do think I'm not I'm she not I don't, I don't want you to know no I'm not. <laughs> I'm not like anti-feminist or anything like this. I do think ScarJo does a pretty good job in this movie. Um, Although I don't think like she's as cool of a hero to cheer for as like Scarlet Witch is. Just because Scarlet Witch is just such a powerful badass. Um, But I kind of, I found it a little bit on the nose and kind of just like, all right, ladies, you have one. When there's that one moment in the Wakanda scene where it's just like, uh, I can't remember Scarlet Witch or uh, Black Widow is like about to get killed. Yeah, Carrie Coon is like about to impale Scarlet Witch. Which, just a quick parenthesis, pour, let's pour one out for her uh, Sokovian accent. Completely gone. Ernest is just pouring yeah. shit yeah, yeah, yeah. everywhere. No, no, no. Like literally, completely <laughs> yeah, gone. They, you were right I mean, about that. <laughs> they definitely made a choice because yeah. she because she was so bad at it. Yeah, they, they were like, like, forget about you're it. You're fine. And as a society, we're not it. as a society, we're not necessarily rooting for Russian types at the moment, right? Um, yeah. But Ooh, that's but a good yeah, point. that mm-hmm. that scene, you know, it's like Black Widow could have just fucking killed Carrie Coon right there but she's like no she's not alone look, yeah, <laughs> look behind yeah. and you and then pan to the other two <laughs> women in this movie to like hey look and it was like 10 seconds of an action scene where it's like hey girls you get one and it was very like Joss Whedon-esque where I feel where like he says he's a feminist and then he cheats on his wife well <laughs> that type no of but like Black Widow is an amazingly cool character and in the first two Avengers movie it's it's ScarJo like suffocating people in between her crotch and shit like that. It's just like, man, I'm a sexy badass. I think and she's it's, just out there with a little. It's kind of like you know, yeah. like fuck you. Like I feel like Scarlett Johansson is a good actress. Like I almost I, wish I don't want to blame her for this because I feel like it's the way her character set up, and she doesn't do any of that in this movie where she's just like, yeah, she's I'm, got I'm tight leather badass. No, mark, mark my words. Uh, in the final Avengers movie, she's going to play a pivotal role. And maybe she won't get that much screen time, but she's going to the, be the one who saves the day. I'm calling it now. Not what about Hawkeye, Renner, man. Not Hawkeye. I don't Hawkeye give a just... shit about Jeremy Renner. God damn it! I don't what? give a fuck. 
I noticed on my second time because the first time I watched it, I was like, "Did they just not even address Hawkeye at all?" But one they get line. one line. <laughs> yeah, where they it's do. like, yeah, "Yeah, he's on house arrest since the last thing that happened," and you're like, "That's it? Okay, he's just <laughs> and hanging out with his family." Kids disappeared. I hope that his entire family disappeared, and that's what's going <laughs> to inspire him to join back in the fight. Yo, he's like, "My family is gone Whoa. now. I have Whoa. nothing." He's the Carrie he's Coon. Nora, dude. He is- <laughs> Dude, yes. Yeah. I'm so ready for this. That's a good... Oh, my God. Or, or what if he just disappears? No, dude. <laughs> He's going to be in the ultimate And, like, everyone dimension. else comes back, and they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> ah, well, let's move on. Or they, they think Ant-Man is with them the whole time. They think he's small, but he's just really not there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to I don't want to forget. Let's talk about Don Cheadle, guys. John He Deedle. looks really old. Yeah. yeah. Why was he, like, he emaciated? He looks, like, 55. He's very skinny. You're right. What's... I, what's going on with him? I went for a while where I thought that, like, oh, you know, maybe when RDJ's gone, he'll be the new Iron Man. But no, it does not look like he's into it at <laughs> oh. this point. Like, okay. Also, you want to know? Tired. You want to know who I really wanted to die in this movie, um, and who I thought would in the beginning is Pepper Potts. Yeah, right I, when they're talking about having a kid, family. I couldn't be less that's, interested. That's going to be another, you know, family member that goes that motivates them to reverse it. I exactly. Think. She's yeah, she's a non-essential. So if she actually dies, also it won't be the biggest deal. I feel like Iron Man does get a happy ending out of all this, though. Maybe he dies and she lives at the very end of everything. But I could, yeah, I'd see him. It dying. seemed with all that setup, she's well, like, "Let's have, a, let's have a kid," and he's in, like, "Oh, sorry, the, if we also, can't have a kid, if the whole also, fucking universe I love, is gone." I love that the most like wealthy man in the world is just going on a jog, in New York, just just yeah, going man. on a light jog with like this fucking thing in his chest, like he's very Dude, clearly wh- Iron Man. What's up with the, the, the tracksuit? Track yeah, the tracksuit. Yes, <laughs> I want that tracksuit. Yeah, he pulls, <laughs> he pulls out of the thing. Dude, it's nanotechnology. <laughs> You idiots. Oh, but that was cool when he had the things come off of him yeah. and shoot oh, the thing. Also, so Spider-Man's cool. new legs, I loved. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. the... the uh, Iron Spider. Iron Spider. Made him look suit, a lot yeah. more menacing. And they, there's a practical use to them. To The whole the reasoning behind him wearing that new suit, mm. it all makes sense. I thought that it was just going to be like a gimmick, but it makes sense because he's going into space. Yeah. So. Right, I mean, he, he got to the point whenever he's going up in the atmosphere and he has to take his mask off because yeah. he's like, I can't breathe in this like, out here. I just thought of a prediction for next year's uh, movie. What if all of these Avengers that, you know, forgetting the little side prediction I made to the Leftovers finale, what if all of these core Avengers sacrifice themselves to bring back everyone else who disappeared and that's Ooh. how they all I don't die. think that they're Together all going to die though just because like Thor pack. isn't going to die like Thor is what now becoming does? the hottest avenger dude he could yeah thor thor could die thor yeah. could theoretically but i think that thor i mean you said black widow which i mean maybe kind of have some kind of thing to do but i think that thor i mean it's stormbreaker is the weapon it's like the main thing like that stormbreaker could have killed Thanos. That's why he says you should have gone for the head or something yeah. like that. Because if you would have like gotten a headshot on him, like that would have fucking killed Thanos. Or just chop the whole arm off. Yeah, should have just gone for the arm or the yeah. forearm at least. But like, I think that it's gonna end up being like. Thor's gonna show off that he's like he's a fucking god. Like he is the most powerful Avenger. He and, is literally a god. And he's lost so much. Like we haven't even talked about Loki in in this yeah. uh, discussion. Like Loki's dead and. That's like the closest thing Thor had to anything. Like his homeworld's destroyed. His mom, his whole family's gone. Okay. Um. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about because, of course, there's no real setup in this movie. But we get the one moment between uh Chris Pratt and uh, uh and Chris Hemsworth where they kind of 
like yada yada catch up everybody through two lines of dialogue on everything that yeah. happened in the last year of Marvel movies where yeah. he's just like uh, he's just like yeah you know my mother died and then my father died and I had to kill my sister and Chris oh, yeah. Pratt's just like well my dad killed my mom and then I had to kill my dad so that's even harder and than I made killing it out with sister. both eyes yeah and then it was just, yeah. Yeah. it's one of those things where it's like I it, like I, I get it's a comic moment yeah, but that's it's also thing. like it is you're right that it is kind of yada yada but yet again they contextualized it to the fact that I didn't really notice that they were trying to do that because it was during a scene where he was trying to one-up him so it makes sense but it was also just a scene where it's just like if you were like hey what's been going on thor's personal life in the first in last year's thor movie that i missed oh his dad died and he had to Um, kill his sister okay also i mean going back to you i'm still thinking about you talking about how maybe the core four sacrificed themselves i'm thinking about you too thank Mm. you (laughs) i that's it's that's a really interesting concept and i'm starting to think anyone who's had a trilogy you know they're kind of expendable at this point they've had their three movies like i feel like i don't i don't know if they all go though i think i think one of the core four is definitely dead well we know we know chris evans is definitely done because he's on broadway right now Mm. so chris evans and rdj's contracts are done i think uh mark ruffalo and chris hemsworth still have a few movies on their deal i believe so Okay. I'm not positive about that. I know for I sure that Chris Evans and RDJ. I are. really, really think that all like th- it's not a coincidence that they left all of the original Avengers alive in this movie at the end of this movie. That has to mean something going into the next movie. Like they all made it out. Well, yeah. it, I mean, largely it means that we have another Avengers one where they're working together, like one last one. Yeah, yeah. where the fat is trimmed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there, we can get back to basics, and then we can get the cast back, and then it's another clusterfuck by the end of the movie. Yeah. I did think that if in a movie that is this dense, they did make the smart move of not bringing RDJ and Chris Evans back together because civil war, like they had the ultimate kind of fallout that you can have. They were literally like trying to fight each other to the death in the movie. And you couldn't just have a scene where it's like, where it's like, uh, Bruce Banner coming back and seeing them because Bruce was like outside the fight. Like he wasn't involved in that. He's just like, Hey guys, good to see you again. Like RDJ and Chris Evans, they're gonna have to like, they got a lot of fucking catching up to do whenever they see each other. Yeah. Um. Did Doctor Strange like survived? Right. No, he end? died. No. no or Doctor Strange, he disappeared. Well, he got the only two we're, people who were left on uh the planet Titan are Nebula uh, and, Nebula and, and T- Stark. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone else got raptured. Um. The only so everyone that gets raptured, we're safe to assume, didn't quote unquote die. The only people that died are Loki, Heimdall. And Gamora. Well, well, they they died, quote, but like they, there's the chance for them to come back. But I see what you're saying. Like the people who really, really, genuinely died, who probably won't be returned. Yeah. I kind of have a feeling that Gamora's not dead. No, that see, Gamora's death is like the biggest litmus test for whether or not Marvel is like really serious about this. Shit. Yeah, if they want to have consequences, they got to yeah. keep her dead. Yeah, yeah. I think she should. She stay. has that was to a, stay that dead. Was an but I just, death. Yeah. I just don't know if she will stay dead because that's one of the big things in the first two Guardians movies is this love story between the two of them. We're going to get another Guardians movie. Are they just going to like have a different love interest for Chris Pratt now? Like it no, feels he'll, he'll weird. Be, I don't think he needs a love interest. Yeah, he, I mean, he I don't think it does, but that was still like a big B plot to the first two movies is these two characters coming together. Yeah, but what I was saying earlier is that this movie spends a lot of time with that relationship and it makes you care about it. 
so that when she dies, you're actually invested in that death. My and it thing, actually matters. If Loki's not dead, then like I'm not gonna watch any more Marvel movies. Like Loki has been dead and then not dead so many different times. I want times him to be that, dead. Please I, yeah, just let you. him be fucking yeah. dead. I mean, like, Thanos says it. No it. resurrections. Yeah. Also, yeah. also, I've never been a huge fan of his character. I feel like he's kind of good or bad depending on whether the plot needs him to be. I, not, think, I mean, not Tom like Hiddleston actual... just brings a lot to the role. Otherwise, I would be kind of out on him. But Tom yeah. Hiddleston, I just I buy his character. Shouts to uh, Marvel for having the two actors that quirky girls are like. No, he's actually really hot with Cumberbatch and Tom Hiddleston. You know. Anyone? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 It's no, just it's girls it's that the... say that. <laughs> Well, no, it's just it's the two guys with like subreddits where like it's this devoted fan base is like, no, actually, he's a 10. I don't care what you say. Even though his brother is Chris Hemsworth, who is. Oh, fuck. Just replace him with another Hemsworth. Uh, Honestly, yeah, get the get the run. Yeah, get the Westworld. Yeah, the Westworld, the third one. He just shows up and he's like, hey, guys, I'm Thor. They're like. <laughs> we already got that in yeah. uh, Ragnarok. I mean, so that was good. Even Liam now doesn't really like hold a candle. He doesn't look too great anymore. He kind of grew up a little awkward, and he broke up with Miley. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah. Oh no. And that was the end of it. All right. Well, you guys got any last thoughts on this? I wanted to talk more about the Miley Hemsworth drama no. that just happened. Um, I I keep going back to this thought of for what this movie needed to accomplish. I think it's a ten out of that. But yeah, all the juggling that it has to exact, do. It's yeah. as good as I think it probably could have been. There are only a few tweaks that like could have feasibly been done while also still serving the entire franchise. Um, and this is a movie that can appeal to four-year-olds. It can appeal to people who have like very little uh, grasp of the English language. It can appeal to the masses at large. And that's harder to do than a lot of people realize. That is extremely hard. And so the fact that I'm satisfied as like an asshole who like <laughs> holds my opinion up, like above the public's for no particular reason at all is very impressive to me. Like yeah. when I think about that, I I'm very impressed. Exactly. With this movie. Like like I'm so conflicted with like my my analytical fl- film side of my brain, like yeah. trying to pick this apart, and I just can't really go in that direction because this is such a a brilliant feat that they were able to do this and have this like bloated mess yeah. actually be so damn entertaining exactly. and have us like really care about it and be invested in it. It's, like the movie is a fucking mess, but it's so, it's so fun and so good. Yeah, it's it is. So it, weird. It's not turn your brain off funny. Yeah. Like it's something that it is still engaging. Yeah, and that's, agreed. that's a big credit to it, it. Yeah. It essentially had a handicap going in. Like, in, like we knew it was going, going in. We knew yeah. we already knew what the flaws were going to be with this movie. Yeah. And that's something that I mean, it happens with the Star Wars movies as well, where we're like, well, go, going in, we know what they have to do. And that's going to make it worse. One hundred percent. So what can they do with us knowing that? And that's a it's I mean, it's the plight of the modern filmmaker. I, you know, as always, part of me kind of wishes the Russo brothers were just doing, you know, some wacky shit on their own because yeah. I would be interested in seeing their artistic perspective. The Yumi and Dupree cinematic universe. <laughs> yeah, the, Let's yeah. get that That's started. Next. That's next. Yeah, um, the Why Mad See You. I don't know if you guys have this thought, but I'm kind of curious to see how this movie plays overseas, especially in China, when like this is a movie that's a lot about like environmentalist messages and population control. I'm, I think and, it's safe to say that will be lost on an audience that is like largely, you know, English as their second language. I don't think they're going to be focusing too much on that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of had that thought that was like, I like, I wonder how like 
going, like how this will play to countries that actually do regulate population control and shit like that. Like maybe they'll love it. Yeah, maybe everybody, <laughs> everybody are, in the theater will be cheering for Thanos. Yeah, those are the ones that will be clapping. Yeah. At the end. All of a sudden, democracy in China. Thank you, <laughs> thank <laughs> you, Robert Downey. Disney, all hail the mouse. Um, what do you think, Brett? Like, like Drew was saying, really, you don't have to have seen all of these other movies for this to yeah, work. I think it is more. The more that I look at it, the more this is just such a masterful way of putting something together. We can't stress enough how different this is from cinema. Mm-hmm. In general, this is just a completely different thing. It's like they're creating another, like, yeah, way of presenting. They're they're using they're yeah. using the movies and and everything, but it's just so something. Yeah, I, don't, I I do kind of push back a little bit uh, to that point that like I do think that well, you don't have to see every single movie. This movie expects you to know these characters. You just well. you like, have to know the characters. You yeah. and I feel like you're expected to already have an established relationship with the characters. Like you have to like this movie expects you to have seen to already know the character dynamics with each other and everything else. Like it expects you to just kind of come in with all this prior knowledge which don't necessarily think it makes it for like it's not great storytelling i just i don't think the general public really cares about that too much you know oh no, it, it, they does, don't. it does they help don't. for you know a random person to know who spider-man is you know in general everybody knows who spider-man is even if you've never seen yeah, Spider-Man really movie ever yeah really what you need to know about these characters can be boiled down to maybe a sentence so if you've even like with the guardians characters it you definitely like it's way better if you've seen both of the movies but if you have fleeting knowledge if you're like oh they're very funny and these two are together and they're a weird couple but they love each other all right that would be kind of enough yeah so take take dr strange for 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 spider-man's it would be have you guys ever seen that real have you ever seen that really old movie aliens yeah yeah (laughs) well okay so for for dr strange that's somebody who the general public wouldn't know a lot of people haven't seen the dr strange movie and this is why I think the ending kind of works. So people like us, people who like the universe, we know Doctor Strange, how meticulous he is. He's had the time stone. And we're picking up on these little things that are hinting at the next movie that this is all going to be reversed. Now, the general public who doesn't know Doctor Strange probably got almost none of that. And the consequences felt heavy and real. Mm. And that's why I was okay Yeah, because the they ending. don't know about production contracts and like future releases yeah, they're, yeah. They, they didn't spend the credits looking to see which marvel movies are about to come out exactly mm-hmm. yeah and i think you know that there's this weightlessness to all the the raptures the departures that you, because you feel like you know it's going to be reversed references. you know it's going to be reversed but the way the movie executes it it is still very effective and absolutely i mean just like you said i'm sure and like we had a big sample size in our theater and i'm sure a lot of people left like i can't believe they're all dead forever exactly exactly do you think they actually made a very smart move marvel did by putting this movie before ant-man so then ant-man they don't have to pay as many cast members they're like half the population's gone they're so (laughs) they're they're all dead so you know another another thing that that kind of uh, leads into is like the summer movie wager and the fact that we all put Avengers at number one. I, after seeing this movie, I was so bummed that I felt like general audiences might be a little torn on it and that they wouldn't recommend it to their friends and they wouldn't want to see it multiple times. uh, And it wouldn't make that huge number one number for the summer. But, you know, seeing it a second time and, and really getting a gauge on like how much money it's making this opening weekend I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that the way this movie works, it like does something so unexpected 
for these types of movies that people are probably going to respond more favorably to that there's, than I anticipated. Yeah, there's more like it was hard to avoid spoilers for this movie because there's because of the choice at the very end there is more buzz than I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I love movie. the whole like I haven't Twitter, seen people the talk Twitter about memes it. Yeah. of just like yeah. uh, it's like Affinity War spoilers with no context well, yeah. at all. And just the and reactions are so severe that it's going to work. Whether or not people like it is going to work to the benefit of box office. I mean, because wh- people are going to be like, people feel so strongly about yeah. a Marvel Avengers movie. Yeah. Like, okay, I'll go see it. Yeah. I mean, but I I kind of wonder how many multiple viewings this will get from the same audience as opposed to a movie like like Black Panther, for example. People want to go keep seeing that movie movie over and over again because of its positive message and its yeah. kind of social ideas where this movie like it is kind of long it doesn't drag like i said but some audience some general audience members might find it just to be too long for them this so pretty I, damn long well i do think it's going to make a lot of money in the first few weeks um i don't really know how much carrying power it's gonna have well i, I they did make a smart move by pushing it up a week because nothing comes out until deadpool yeah yeah i wonder another josh Brolin i wonder flick. how what percentage of the box office typically is rewatchers i wonder if that's significant or not i mean with, with it these depends. movies it's probably a lot i mean especially well i mean look at movies like like last year with wonder woman wonder woman didn't have a huge opening weekend but it ended up being yeah, the top was, movie of the summer it because was buzzworthy yeah it just kept getting buzzed people kept wanting to go see it multiple times, take family members to go see it with them. And I'm not sure how much of that carrying power this movie's going to have. I still am confident with putting it at number one. I still think it's going to crack $600 million. Like, yeah, oh, I think it'll beat that. Yeah, it I, might get to 700. Six, 700. Yeah, somewhere in that range. But that's going to be the number one movie in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> it might crack, it might make a billion dollars to It might make one million, ten million. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wait, what is that a reference to? <laughs> bright. bright. Yeah, it's yeah. bright. It's bright. Yeah. Oh, that, fucking that was kill incredible. me. <laughs> oh, I was thinking The Office with Jim and Dwight. What? That's the most broad thing. Yeah, go uh, go look it up. That, that time Jim and Dwight talk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, let's wrap it up, guys. Um, we're we're done with this. I think our brains are rotting. <laughs> yeah. Thanks wait, for wait, listening. quickly. What are you guys? Are you guys excited at all about? Ant-Man the Wasp, which I'm going to answer that one for Collectivist, no, but what about for Captain Marvel? We do get that stinger at the end yes, that's a, a setup for well, Captain Marvel. Everyone likes Brie Larson. I'm really excited for that. Uh, the Wasp move is also it's the same thing that uh, like CBS will do with its struggling sitcoms. It puts it on right after the Big Bang Theory. That's what it's doing. Yeah. Like You just saw the Marvel thing. While You're that's fresh on your noggin. You're craving for a sequel, some answers, and then Ant-Man the Wasp is going to have no fucking answers Thanks. whatsoever. Yes. Thanks, but. Disney, for rotting our brains and just making us have no choice but to escape from our dystopian reality into just endless consumer products. Hopefully, we get a we get our own Thanos and uh, you know make make the future a little brighter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we need our own Rapture. I mean, if you like look at a side by side photo, Donald Trump and Thanos look pretty similar. <laughs> Dude, Thanos is a hunk compared to Trump. He's know, way man. more handsome. But like, He's a snack. Thanos has a ball sack for a chin. Donald Trump just has a double chin. Like I. You tell me. Look, looking like a snack awards. Number one, Thanos. Number two, Hemsworth. Number three, um, Thanos is crony. You know, 
Which one? The, 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 the burn victim one? Guy? Yeah, oh, Squidward. Yeah. <laughs> that was also a great line, even though it was like obvious. Like it was, yeah. it was very broad. But And that's like the whole audience laughs. I'm like, God damn it. You know, <laughs> the, the effects of, of, uh, of the way those guys look could have been way worse. They actually look yeah, pretty I good. Yeah, I actually like, powers. I thought that the design for them was pretty cool. I mean, I liked Harry Coon's look. They were so generic though. Like, they were very generic, they ha- but they didn't look Bad. I mean, yeah. that's almost loyalty to the comics is like they had to look kind of silly. Yeah. Like that's how a lot of Marvel villains look. They look goofy if you look at the yeah. comics. Okay. Well, if we talk any longer, I'm just going to kill gonna myself. I'm going to shoot myself. <laughs> let's, let's get out of here. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Check us out on social media at We Bought a Mic on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Send us your thoughts. What did you think of Infinity War and Westworld? Um, next week. We got probably just catching up on shows on Legion, Barry, Atlanta. I feel pretty. Rampage. Yeah. All right. Well, where can we find you on social media, Brett? Um, you know, leave me alone. But, you know, if you really want to follow me somewhere, my Instagram is at Brett Nemeroff. If you really want to see some yo-yo tricks. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's not a joke, by the way. Also, uh, do you want to shout out your sponsor? We're being sponsored right now. Oh We're my actually, God. we've yeah, been yeah. yo-yoing this whole time. This, uh, this podcast has been sponsored by Corco Yo-Yos. Check out Corco Yo-Yos. Wow. Okay. Well, Chobani um, Flip, please. They better fucking us. send us some free yo-yos. I'm trying to get, I get, I get the free yo-yos. <laughs> oh, damn it. Yeah. Uh, I'm at Drew Dietzen, spelled Diet Zen on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, fucking Spotify, um, at Drew D on Letterboxd. I don't really post on there. Uh, but I should. should. I should. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. yeah that's it. I'm. Uh, I'm at Hunt Mobley on uh, Twitter and Letterbox. Um, I don't think I posted my review for Infinity War yet, um, but I will. I'll put it on there. You guys have already listened to it, so you know what my review is. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for sticking around, everyone. Hope you enjoy this big old Marvel extravaganza episode. And uh, thanks for thanks for coming, Brett. Yeah, good good talking good to you return. guys. You you've officially entered. You the, can the you three. can officially. Oh my God, Brett, your arm. Oh my God, he's going. He's going. You're I've always loved two out of three of you. <laughs> oh, oh no, there he goes. We'll never know which two he was talking about. Okay, well, um, I'm at Caldernist. All those links are down below. And uh, see you next week. Bye. I gotta listen to some car seat headrest to get this off my mind. Oh, 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 oh.